0: here we're going to talk about the sinister path also known as the left-handed path but first let's throw it over to tucker carlson to get us started thank you thank you jesse waters for for a nice introduction and uh, paul godfrey is also speaking right now so we might play some some excerpts from paul godfrey see what he has to say about the supreme court overturning roe v wade but let's begin with tucker carlson
1: Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson's Night. We're coming to you this evening from Rio de Janeiro, which is a huge and beautiful and very complex city on the South American coast. We're going to be here all week. We're filming a documentary for our Tucker Carlson original series on the rise of Chinese power and influence in Brazil. Brazil is the largest economy in Latin America by far. It's one of the biggest in the world. And it is the most important ally of the United States in the Western Hemisphere. Brazil is a big deal. And yet the Biden administration seems determined to hand Brazil over to the sphere of influence of the Chinese Communist Party. Why is that exactly? We hope to find out. We'll also be sitting down for a rare interview with the president of Brazil, Jair Bolsonaro, soon. We'll bring that to you when we do. But first, we'd like to begin with the loud and at times violent response to the end of Roe v. Wade that came down the Supreme Court on Friday, as you know. If you've been following this, you may have noticed a profound change in the way the Democratic Party talks about the issue of abortion. Gone is the empathy or the room for compromise. So from the very beginning of this debate, 50 years ago, even the staunchest pro-lifer acknowledged the anguish of young women who are pregnant and don't want to be, who are alone and feel trapped by the child growing inside them. And that is the reason that... Pro life institutions have built crisis pregnancy centers. And to be fair, for generations, even the most committed pro choicers acknowledge the inherent sadness of abortion, which at the very least is the end of a potential life. Quote, I do not view abortion as a choice, said Joe Biden as recently as 2006. I think it's always a tragedy. And of course, it always is a tragedy, even if you believe it should be legal. And Democrats once said this out loud, forthrightly. In fact, in 1997, as White House counsel, now Supreme Court Justice Elena Kagan urged her boss, Bill Clinton, to sign a ban on partial birth abortions. Elena Kagan has always been pro-choice, but ending the life of a child a week before birth was too much even for her. And of course, for his part, Bill Clinton never spoke about abortion as anything but as a last resort. He famously described it as something that should be, quote, safe, legal, and rare. Our vision
2: should be of an America where abortion is safe and legal, but
1: rare. You don't hear that on the left anymore, ever. In fact, many on the left now behave as if abortion is itself a positive good, excited by the fact that a child who would have been born wasn't. Think about that for a moment, celebrating the failure of a child to come into the world. What does that say about how you feel about children or about people? In fact, some behave as if having an abortion is preferable to having children. How do we know this? Well, no one on the left encourages women to brag about having kids. Having more than a couple of children at most is, in fact, is considered weird and embarrassing. Something that Mormons and people who live in the ghetto do. But abortion? That's something to tell your friends about. There's even a Shout Your Abortion campaign, highly well-funded, complete with perky t-shirts bragging about ending your pregnancy what does that say nothing good over the weekend you saw a lot of people proudly shouting about their abortions at pro-choice riots all over the country here's what Washington DC and Los Angeles look like <laughs> <laughs> That. The hysteria is telling. It's not the assault on bodily autonomy of the end of Roe v. Wade. Those are the same people who demanded vaccine mandates. But this happened all over the country. In Arizona, thousands of enraged rioters tried to storm the state capitol. On Friday night, they tore down security fencing around the building. They pounded on the Senate's glass doors and windows while the legislature was in session. Police had to fire tear gas from the windows. TO PROTECT THE POLITICIANS INSIDE. HERE'S WHAT THE STATE CAPITAL OF ARIZONA LOOKED LIKE ON FRIDAY. Looks like insurrection to us, but no arrests were made at the Arizona State Capitol on Friday when that footage was shot. There will be no FBI investigation. Democrats who called January 6th the racist insurrection said nothing this weekend about the violent siege of the state capital of Arizona. Did you expect them to? No, of course not. And in fact, instead, they justified it. Let's be clear,
3: we have uh, so many problems with the Supreme Court and the legitimacy. This court has lost legitimacy. They have burned whatever legitimacy
4: they may still have had. This is a crisis of legitimacy.
1: And that threatens the court's long-term legitimacy. The court is about to face one of the largest threats to perceived legitimacy
4: ever in its history.
5: The Supreme Court has lost legitimacy with the American people.
1: The crisis of the very legitimacy of the United States Supreme Court fills me with sorrow. Well, you gotta give them credit for all being on the same page as usual. We'd love to get the conference code to the morning call where they set that up. But because the court did something they don't like, they're not telling us the third branch of government is, quote, illegitimate. The Supreme Court is illegitimate because it's allowing voters to decide what they want to do with abortion. Some will call that democracy, a system in which citizens choose their own form of government. They're telling us it's illegitimate. On Sunday, the unelected governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, explained that without nine members of the Supreme Court dictating the law for hundreds of millions of Americans, women are fundamentally oppressed.
3: Because we're going to get a flood of people. I have declared this as our safe harbor. This is where we have the Statue of Liberty. Welcoming people who are oppressed, women who cannot receive fundamental right to control their body or receive an abortion. They are oppressed. They're welcome here in the state of
1: New York. So we could go on and on and play you absurd soundbite after absurd soundbite. But what are we seeing here? It's not simply an attack, an explicit attack on the legitimacy of the third branch of government, the court. It's not just an attack on the right of people to govern themselves. It's something bigger than that. What you're seeing is a coordinated attack on the family and on children. People at these protests are angered at the idea that children are being born. Watch what's happening there. That is hardly an overstatement. Here's a photograph on your screen from this weekend. It was taken outside the Supreme Court. It shows a mother humiliating her children in public, implying they they are a burden to her because they are still living. We saw things like this everywhere at pro-abortion protests, often in full view of children. This was the scene, for example, in Dallas this weekend. Watch. So... What is that exactly? What about the thought of having children makes these people so angry? Where does an attitude like that come from? Well, as it turns out, that attitude comes from the same place the Democratic Party now gets all of its attitudes directly from corporate America. Corporate America wants you childless. And this is a big change. A hundred years ago, big companies built housing for the families of their employees and then schools and libraries to educate them. It was the humane thing to do, but it also seemed to make good business sense at the time. If you wanted workers you could count on, you had to take care of them and their offspring. But over time, that arrangement got expensive. Employees with families demanded higher wages to support their children, and in many cases, they formed unions to get those raises. So labor costs soared. So corporate America, in response to this, developed a new model hire single women. At many big companies, including in the traditionally male banking sector, young women now make up the majority of new employees. And you can see why they do. They work hard. They're reliable. They tend to be loyal to the companies they work for. The one downside to hiring young women is they can get pregnant. If you're running the HR department at Citibank, that is the last thing you want. Children make your health care plan more expensive. Worse than that, they tend to compete with an employee's attention. Responding to after-work emails seems less pressing to most new moms than putting their own kids to bed. That's a huge problem for big companies. So they have every incentive to prevent their workers from having children. You can't say that out loud, of course. It would be too obvious. Give us the best years of your life, and in exchange, we'll pay you what's effectively a subsistence wage in whatever overpriced urban hellscape we're based in, and then take from you the one thing that might give your existence meaning and joy in middle age, which is having children. That's the deal we're offering. That is the deal they're offering, but they can't say that. It would sound like what it is, which is exploitation. No better than what the cotton mills once did to 14-year-old girls. So instead of saying that, which is the truth, corporate America uses the language of the social movement it created, feminism, to spin the entire arrangement as some sort of progressive liberation movement. Fight the patriarchy, have an abortion. It's got nothing to do with lowering our labor costs, we promise. But of course it does have everything to do with lowering their labor costs. Across the country, they are making that case: abortion as liberation. Many of the biggest American companies are now paying female employees to have abortions, to end their pregnancies. That would include Microsoft and Apple, Facebook, Yelp, Netflix, Comcast, Goldman Sachs, Citibank, JP Morgan, Nike, Starbucks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Dick Sporting Goods is offering female employees up to four thousand dollars if they get an abortion. Does the company offer the same amount to female employees who want to have children? Well, the editors at Breitbart wondered that. They asked Dick Sporting Goods that question, but the company didn't even respond. And that tells you the answer. What's amazing is that in the face of this, so many Americans who ought to know better have fallen for it. So some accountant at a soulless, publicly traded corporation concludes that drones with no personal lives make cheaper workers. That's what happened. But rather than question this or resist it, your average college-educated NPR listener nods in vigorous bovine agreement and then becomes completely hysterical when someone suggests that maybe there's another way to live, that it's at least theoretically possible that raising your own children might be more rewarding as a life choice than commuting into a slum on public transportation in order to claw your way up to middle management at Deutsche Bank. But the very thought of that, of turning down Deutsche Bank to bring new life into the world, drives these people into a frenzy of rage. Choosing a family over service to global capitalism? That's disgusting. Shut up. Journalist Drew Hernandez ran into people like this over the weekend. Here's how it went.
6: Okay. Not Calm. A Calm down.
4: Calm down, Worthless sir. little sack of. I guess the pandemic's over.
1: What's wrong, sir? You like killing babies? You love killing babies? Yeah, I
4: love killing babies.
1: Drew Hernandez shot the footage you just saw. He's an investigative reporter and host of Turning Point USA's Frontlines. We're happy to have him join us now. Drew, thanks so much for coming on. So the, the rhetoric even a year ago was my body, my choice. It was...
0: Okay, we may uh, check back in later with Tucker Carlson. I want to get uh, Paul Godfrey's um, perspective. We have not had
7: good luck with these. I like big dogs. They just don't... They have health problems, and they don't live as long uh, as the small dogs. They live about half as long, and then they get cancer and other... Uh, debilitating Come on, illnesses. Paul. Get, get to the I mean, point, man. years old. I mean, that's my a, experience. That's the sad thing about dogs. When I was listening to Brett Baer... <laughs> Tangling with a uh, Republican nominee for uh, the the, uh, the governorship in Arizona. And uh, she was insisting that the election of 2020 is corrupt. Biden is not really the president. And uh, Barr just went ballistic. He uh, says every person in Congress believes that Joe Biden is president. And no court would, you know, found any any, any evidence of corruption or fraud. <laughs> and my response was, you know, they have to be pretty blind not to see evidence of fraud and corruption, particularly in drop boxes. <clears throat> that they use. um uh, the uh, in the state of Pennsylvania, uh, the mail and ballots were never approved by the state legislature in accordance with the Constitution. The, uh, uh, Governor Wolf, who is sort of a hardline party Democrat, a very left-leaning Democrat, simply went around uh, the legislature in order to uh, to enact that. Um, so, I mean, there, there, there's much that has to be questioned. I don't know whether Trump had enough votes to win or this, but to say that there's, there's no exam- – they, they couldn't find any examples of fraud. You wonder what these courts are looking at. You know, there, there, there seems to be you know, considerable evidence that irregularities of all kinds occurred, particularly in these uh, these states with the uh, uh, the arrival of ballots late at night and uh, coming in into somewhat questionable circumstances and, and the use of drop boxes paid for by um, – uh, Mark Zuckerberg. By, what, name, the fellow friend,
0: Mark Zuckerberg. Uh,
7: from high tech. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. He paid something like $500 billion or more uh, to, to set up these uh, these these drop boxes and to arrange for you know looking after them and so forth, these are all very questionable practices. And this is this uh, gubernatorial candidate in Arizona says, "Why can't we have an election that takes place on election day?" Which is the case in most places. You know, it, it has been changed in the United States to accommodate the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. together with the drop boxes and so forth. Um, and you know, the fact that Bear can find nothing wrong there, there's no irregularities occurring. You know, indicates a kind of ideological blindness. You know, that comes from uh, uh, from his I suppose his rhino
8: upbringing orientation. <laughs> uh, it's obviously Surprising to hear this stuff from Brett Baer, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: maybe he's interested in, in evidence, not just uh, the, these vague, fact-free assertions.
7: For future elections, right? Um, uh, on the other hand, I mean, you know, if, if this, this point is sort of is sort of periodically raised, and if the grievance is kept alive, uh, that's, that's fine. You know, I think that's that, – because you, you told the other side, we know you cheated. You know, we're going to be on your back, and we're going to make a real issue of it this time, which they didn't do last time, by the way, because even Republicans uh, in my state were generally quiet. When Wolf, you know, went around them and so forth, there was just very mild protest. Um, and, you know, there should have been opposition to the use of drop boxes and so forth. Uh, the Republicans should have put their foot down when that happened. Uh, so, uh, you know, some of the blame goes to them because it was obvious the Democrats planned to cheat and they did nothing really significant to stop them. Um, but uh, I, I don't I just don't think it's a good electoral strategy. I think as Miranda Devine pointed out uh, that the election does stink to high heaven. But you can't know, have Trump just running around saying that all the time you know, and, re, and reju- try to rejudicate the election. It's just not going to work as an, ele- as an electoral strategy. This is not a moral judgment. This is simply a strategic judgment that I'm making. Uh, the problem is that is that Brett Baer, who hates, obviously hates Trump, you know, and he's been going after him for the, all the stuff the Democrats have been pulling out about January 6th and so forth. Doesn't want to bring this up because he wants to be rid of Trump. He wants it to go away. Uh, and then he has, he has his own list uh, of desirable, like Nikki Haley. And, <laughs> I think Haley is probably his favorite. You know, they're, they're sort of like centrist Republicans uh, who push the usual uh, liberal international foreign policy. Uh, and you know those are the people who obviously uh, uh, Bret bear and others on Fox News are comfortable with. You know I can understand this. Uh, I can understand where they're coming from politically, um, but I you know I I don't I don't think their description of what happened in the two thousand and twenty election should be accepted as the final word.
8: <laughs> and get-
0: no, it, it should be accepted as the final word. But people should uh, be be looking for evidence, right? Just these. These general assertions are not evidence, Paul. ...26th
8: of June in American Greatness. Paul, anything to say about what I just read? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm always raising this, this point, and I think justifiably so, about the, the
7: double standard. Um, I have no idea why Republicans here or, let's say, the uh, part, center-right parties in Europe or they, uh, decide to play by this. I don't know if they're center-right parties. You have right parties, then all the others are left parties in Germany or France. <laughs> um but the, uh, uh, somehow it's assumed by the media we have to play by these rules. The left can do anything it wants. They can have riots. They can shoot policemen. They can burn down buildings. Um, and it's all part of the summer of love or an expression of caring and concern and anti-racism and anti-sexism um, and anti-homophobia. So whatever they do is fine. Uh, they, they can challenge elections. They can say they were cheated out of victories, as Stacey Abrams still does. And they never have to pay any cost. People on the right or people who are viewed as being on the right, even if they're not really on the right, are expected to be unfailingly courteous, courteous, deferential, you know, and accept their inferior uh, social and political position I and mean, this seems to be the rule um, something else that I, I find interesting is sort of the the way chuck schumer views his role and the way uh, the minority leader um uh mitch mcconnell views his role um mitch mcconnell is there to make agreements to make deals to get along with the other party to practice bipartisanship chuck is there to incite riots uh, to tell people on the Supreme Court, we're going to give you hell unless you vote and you're know, screaming at them when doing this. Now, I have to say, the two men, I have much more respect for Schumer, though I think he's utterly evil, uh, reprehensible human being, my hope rots in hell, but I respect him because he's a good party leader. You know, it wants a one-party dictatorship in the United States. And I'm reading what the Democrats plan to do if they increase their representation in Congress. They're going to pack the Supreme Court. They're going to get rid of the filibuster. Um, they're going to get rid of all voting qualifications and keep the borders open so they have more future Democrats, just in case they need them. By then, we'll, of course, be living in, in a woke version of Stalinist Russia. Um, but these people know what they're doing. What they're doing is evil, but they go about it methodically, ruthlessly, and they don't give a damn what the other side says. Um, and as I've said many times I'd much rather have these evil, disgusting people on my side you know, and give the give the nice Mitch McConnell types and the Brett Bears to the other side. I'd Be delighted, you know. If we could just sort of switch switch our armies, you know, we can have <laughs> I like their army and <laughs> make a riot for us, and they don't like something, right? I, and, and then our side, these people are scared. You know, please like me. You know, I, I don't want to be extreme. I don't want to be thought of as a racist or a homophobe, mm-hmm. and so forth. So I, I'm uh, uh, I, I'm really struck by the by the difference with which these two political leaders approach their position.
8: Uh, there certainly is a difference. That's putting it mildly. And uh, at the end of the day, the Democrats are on the ascendancy in America, whereas the Republicans are. And I think that's part of the reason why McConnell is much more of a dealmaker, even though he is very serious about getting judges onto the federal benches. I mean, that Personal judgment. Mm-hmm. Why must there be a right to privacy in the Constitution?
7: Uh, if you like, you could pass it at the state level. Okay, um, whatever it means. I mean, it's basically an instrument to uh, to enact a particular ideological agenda, from what I can see.
8: Florida um, has a right to privacy in its Constitution. It so, works pretty well.
7: Florida, you know, no, certain rights under under the Bill of Rights. Th- th- those are explicit. And I I, th- I think the the idea of uh, you know interpreting the Constitution as it is written is a very good principle. Uh, there's no question that Alito comes closer to telling you what's in the con- or what's not in the Constitution than so do my ear, who just makes up stuff. You know, if it fits our leftist social agenda. Um, even someone like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was certainly on the far left on social cultural issues, thought that the uh, uh, Roe v. Wade was a terrible decision. That she said it was, it was it was just an act of imposing something which which the judges wanted to do. Um, most of these things, like by the way, the uh, the birth control prohibition in Connecticut. Um, what was not enforced for decades and decades, it was just revived to bring a case before the Supreme Court in the Griswold decision. So it, it's not that I, I am from Connecticut. I grew up there. I went to school there and so forth. People bought birth control all the time there. Uh, what they did was they brought that up as an issue so that they would be able to, to bring this before the Supreme Court, right, and and reach the decision which they reached. And the people who favored the Griswold decision were already looking toward Roe v. Wade. So, you know, it was it was, all, it was all a planned thing. Uh, so the argument, they you know, if we give back the states the rights to birth control, won't be a, that's nonsense. People will still be and they got rid of Roe v. Wade. They'll still have abortions coming out of your ears in New York, California, all these leftist states. Nothing's going to change, and they won't even be able to stop it necessarily in red states, uh, because you have these these leftist uh, judges who were appointed, you know, th- thanks to Obama and Biden and so forth. Um, and they'll make sure that the left gets their way, you know, even even if state legislatures vote against the left. So you know, w- w- there's no way that uh, this is really going to be debated without these these leftist judges coming along and trying to impose their wills.
8: I must say that the places which really need abortion are in the deep South, which is outlawing it or trying to. Uh, and
7: their states are just trying to limit it to the first time of fourteen, twelve weeks, mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Mississippi tried to outlaw entirely. I think so sort did of Louisiana. Yeah, they're...
8: Louisiana actually okay. was in the process of criminalizing it today, but then mm-hmm. a state judge. St- Terrible problem. It's not going to
7: end. The black vote, to which we're referring, is all the way on the left. It's an anti-white, um, anti-white middle class, anti-Judeo-Christian vote. It's not going to change. Okay. Uh, and I listen to these idiots on Fox News, and the black vote is just tu- where's it turning around? I will <laughs> Vote overwhelmingly for the Democrat and the next. The Hispanic vote is changing. The black vote no, mm-hmm. and black vote is quite large in, in in places like Georgia and Mississippi and so forth. And the black vote, together with you know the college educated white vote, keeps the, the the woke left in power.
8: Mm-hmm. It's interesting because a lot of pro life.
7: I, I, I dislike Regnery because since the founder, Henry Regnery, died, they, they refused to publish anything that I write. Was published by Yale, uh, Princeton. I mean, Yale has not published me. Princeton has, Cambridge, uh, University Press. Uh, I've, had all kinds of, I've had all kinds of good presses. They won't publish my books because I think they consider me too far to the right, believe it or not. Uh, so I really have no use for them. Um, but they, they do publish just a lot of things that are Republican propaganda. And they, th- th- this book on uh, tearing us apart has to make some good points, but then it's also not well-researched. Uh, the good point it makes is that white nationalists typically favor abortion because they want to see blacks aborted. And Lathrop Stoddard favored that. Richard Spencer, other people who are explicitly white nationalists, have taken that position. Uh, on the other hand, Margaret Sanger never took that position. Margaret Sanger was anti abortion. Very mm-hmm. explicit in her post. She favored birth control. Yeah. Um, so they have to turn her into some kind of villain or villainous. Um, they have, they, have, they never really investigate these things. I mean, they're so sloppy about the way the way they uh, they look at history. And all the progressives were Nazis or fascists. They're, I mean, the stuff they tell you is nonsense.
8: Dinesh um, D'Souza's book, The Big Lie, is the most prominent it is, example. I
7: mean, they, they, they basically, they have certain propaganda lines, like mm-hmm. the Frankfurt School did this and that, or they met in Philadelphia, remember the Frankfurt School. <laughs> did certain I mean, these people, you know, I, I, I'm i sympathetic to some of their positions, but at least do your homework, at least do some historical scholarship, they keep repeating the same nonsense, you know, that you find it in Mark Levin, then you find it in this guy and somebody else, uh, uh, Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, their, their portrayal of Margaret Sanger is not, uh, is not entirely correct. I um, singer. I don't. I don't know where you put her on the left or the right. She was on the left for a while. I think she sort of moves to the right by the end. of her she life She became
8: a Republican activist at the end right, of her life. Right, she was right. an organizer of the Arizona Republican Women's uh, Society, and she was a vigorous Goldwater campaigner. Right. I know. Yeah. By the end of her life. <laughs> yeah. So, but people on the on the right tell me they know she was a socialist who wanted genocide. And, no, and it's, it's, crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. But the, you don't have to like her or glorify her, but don't lie about her. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. But the point is that the left, as we both know, makes up history all the time. White man evil. I was going to say uh, before we uh, before we go.
7: They consider abortion to be the ultimate evil. Therefore, anything which is the alternative to abortion uh, becomes morally acceptable and is even praiseworthy.
8: Crazy, but uh, there it is. <laughs> uh, I mean, from their perspective, abortion is murder. Yeah, uh, but it's crazy yeah. from from the inter- if one looks at the impact it has upon society and American politics. Because he's not on the left. Uh, blacks who are not on the left are
7: hated by other blacks, whether it's Larry Elder, whoever it is. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the, the, the blacks behave exactly like slaves. They accept the hegemonic ideology of the white liberal uh, overclass. Even if the person does absolutely nothing to them, if the white liberal overclass does not like someone, blacks will attack them. Uh, there was, there was uh, blacks are, like, running around screaming, threatening people. Uh, they're not losing anything by by the, uh, the Roe v. Wade uh, reversal of the Supreme Court. They're, they're not losing anything. But they, their white overlords tell them to riot, incite them to riot. And uh, idiots like uh, Cori Bush and uh, the, uh, the the louder moron from Los Angeles, Maxine Waters, are screaming you can violate the hell with this. They're doing nothing to blacks. But but the people whom they listen to, from whom they take direction, want them to ride, So they'll ride for you. Um, as, as for the apparent inconsistency in Clarence Thomas that accepts the incorporation doctrine, I wrote a column on this saying there's no choice at this point. The incorporation doctrine is evil. It should never, never have been introduced. I agree. Okay. But you're not going to get anywhere by saying, uh, no, we're not going to apply the incorporation doctrine in a way that can hurt uh, the Second Amendment. Uh, In New York, I'm all in favor of invoking the incorporation doctrine to strike down that stupid law in New York, okay, because the left invokes the incorporation doctrine uh, continually, they're going to do the same thing, so you have to simply accept that those are the new rules of the game, as much as you deplore those rules, and I deplore the incorporation, I think it's terrible, the incorporation doctrine, I mean, it allows the Supreme Court to take power away power away from states and localities, like mm-hmm. stupid things like telling a small town, that you can't have a Christmas creche, because it mm-hmm. violates the first. I mean, this is such nonsense. The First Amendment protects the states against the federal government. But, you know, they, they've been able to use the incorporation doctrine so that the left can ride roughshod o, o, over people. Now, if Clarence Thomas can now use the incorporation doctrine to strike down what I think is, is an unjust law in New York, uh, one that hurts law-abiding gun owners trying to protect themselves, I'm all in favor. I would have voted the same way um, in the New
8: York case. And this is a reminder, if you have a reasonable and responsible question or comment for Paul or myself, please leave it via Streamlabs. Thank you very much in advance. Uh, From Douglas. Uh, Who began, you know, declaiming
7: against the white race and saying we're going to change the face of of French culture to something like critical race theory (laughs) in the United States. Uh, Macron is not, you know, an anti kind of right center. Uh, He's nothing. He's just the establishment right? I mean, it's like the establishment, it's like, uh, you know, electing Bloomberg to something in the United States. I mean, is that the center-right? I mean, he obviously is pro-global capitalist, but not global capitalist is not a right-wing force in, 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 in our time. Uh, it is usually allied to a leftist culture, which Macron is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he is not a French nationalist, whereas Le Pen is a French nationalist. Mm-hmm. Um, so her Assemblée picked up 90 seats, which is not surprising. Melanchthon picked up largely the votes of non-whites um, and Muslims in his mm-hmm. country. You know, the uh, the, the French right would say, uh, you know, uh, the, the uh, like in Greek, the foreigners <laughs> voted for this party. Um, and uh, uh, the, the the party of Eric Zemmour, Le uh, Conquête, picked up, I don't know, eight or nine seats. Now, the question is exactly where will Macron turn? And my guess is he'll turn to the far left because he's a leftist. He's a pro-big business leftist, cultural, cultural social leftist. Um, I find it unlikely that he's going to try to do any business with uh, the Rassemblement National, um, let, let alone with uh, Zemmour. Um, so they're going to try to keep them out. It's the same way the Alf Day was kept out of Germany. In Germany, it worked. What happened in Germany was the AfD, day, which at one time had like, you know, 14, 15, 18 percent of about whatever they were able, able to achieve. Now they're down to 8 percent. And the Befassungsschutz, uh, the which investigates dangers to the Constitution, has them under special investigation. <laughs> Nobody votes for them anymore. The Germans, the Germans are, you know, the ultra conformist. They're not going to vote for anyone that those in authority tell them not to vote for. Uh, and the, uh, at the same time, the AfD day seems to be um, uh, riven or convulsed by internal division, which happens to a party that's going down like that. Uh, it's like, you know, uh, both cause and effect in this case. Um, and I think Macron is hoping the same thing is going to happen on the right. Um, it probably will not. Uh, I think what is going to happen is Macron is simply going to flounder, And um, the idea of you know of having Melanchthon, it does not have a traditional working class vote. His vote is largely the vote of non-whites and Muslims, Muslim immigrants. And um, this looks like, I mean, it's like the Republican Party, because the Republicans you know, are basically a non-white party and they even lost the Hispanic vote by now. Um, but- uh, The in, Democrats, uh, you mean? The Democrats, rather. But in France, there is this very strong, still a very strong national sense. Uh, and uh, Macron forming an alliance with Melanchthon, I don't think is going to, uh, uh, to help his, his position very much. The other thing is Melanchthon is is, is a Trotskyist. I mean, he's not in favor of, uh, you know, free market capitalism or anything like that. Um, he's, he's, he's uh, although he picked up these uh, these non-white, uh, non-native votes and so forth, um, He is he is an economic radical. Uh, whereas Macron is, a sta- is an economic status quo guy, right? I mean, he favors he favors corporate uh, capitalist interests. So there would be some kind of conflict that he probably would not have with Le Pen to the same degree. But sort of knowing people, uh, people like him, I would expect him to try to form an alliance with the left. You know, before he turns to anyone who's even a millimeter to the right of where his party is.
8: <clears throat> and from Wojak woes, just remember, everyone, it was the most secure election in American history. So secure, you're not allowed to talk about it. Um, but through a combination
7: of cheating. Um, which I certainly would not put above, you know, uh, 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 put outside the realm of possibility here Um, and uh, being able to, you know, to maximize certain issues to get blacks and college educated women to vote, you know, a disproportionately high number and pick up a number of votes elsewhere so that um, they might put themselves in a position uh, in which they can win uh, enough votes in Congress to carry out their programs, packing the Supreme Court, getting rid of voter identity. In In other words, creating a woke leftist dictatorship in the United States. That's what I expect them to do if they can. Um, And I believe that Schumer, you know, has it in him to do these things and Pelosi, whoever replaces her, because by now she's totally senile, um, whoever replaces her will certainly be happy to do this. Um, The effect, of course, you know, once they've abolished genders and, you know, declared war on the white race and so forth, even, you know, even if, even if you have, you know, upper class whites engaged in this anti-white war, um, the result is that certain areas of the country will break off. Um, I mean, I was listening to this lady running for governor uh, in Arizona. She was extreme, extreme by my standards. You know, and uh, she's probably not going to be all that much of an anomaly. You're going to see a really a strong reaction coming from the right. And I don't think they are necessarily going to engage in the kind of violence that the left has been, the left and the Democrats have been uh, unleashing on us. But I do think there will be breakaway movements all over the country in these red states that's going to start. One of the things that, you know, I'm afraid that even some of my people of friends, uh, you know, on the right or American Greatness or Chronicles, whatever, don't really see is that the differences that now exist in the United States um, are enormous. The, the, uh, the issues on which the Americans fought the Civil War are dwarfed by the issues we now face. The people who fought the Civil War agreed on most things. I mean, they were, they were mostly Protestants, white Protestants. Uh, they would have been, certainly not been in favor of gay marriage or even the modern civil rights movement. Um, you know, and uh, uh, once they uh, fought this war and there was a reconstruction in work, they sort of went back to saying, you know, we had great guys fighting and dying on both sides. And they, you know, uh, remained a united nation. Uh, and what held them together was much stronger, even than what divided them in the time of the Civil War. There was nothing that unites right and left in the United States, except the fact they speak the same language. Not even well, that, always. <laughs> you know, so uh, I think at some point, the right is going to become aware of the degree of differences. I've been reading uh, Stanley Payne's essays on the Spanish Civil War in French, which I think it was published in Spanish, he's going a French translation, which I can read more easily. And I'm noticing that the degrees of difference between the right and the left in France, over which the war is fought, the uh, Spanish Civil War, while being much more violent than anything that is happening in the United States, and I hope you see no violence like that. Um, nonetheless, I think reveals differences that are uh, no greater than those that divide right and left in the United States right now. I mean, they're, they're just enormous. I mean, even speaking to members of the same, my, my others, they say things, I have no idea where they're coming from. Um, and, you know, even within families, you see these divisions now. Uh, they're generational. And people go through the educational system, come out sounding like uh, Elizabeth Warren or Pete Buttigieg. So <clears throat> I, I think this is going to continue. Um, and uh, I, I think that division in the country is very, very likely And what will accelerate it is if the Democrats are able to control Congress and carry out their program to create a one-party woke dictatorship.
8: And also from K-Max, as a response to this, does the left attempt to pack the Supreme Court? If so, what are the ramifications? I'm basically asking predictions on the left's response to this. Should we be uh,
7: burning churches, you know, doing all the the, the usual stuff in Spain? Um, And... uh, uh, then in 1934, October of 1934, they try to overthrow uh, the Republican government and put in a leftist dictatorship. Uh, that doesn't work well. Uh, then they went in February of 1936. They go totally crazy. They manage to kill like 8,000 priests, uh, blow up uh, churches, blow up public buildings, they, and then and they can let up, you know both sides together end up killing hundreds of thousands of people. Only half of them die in war; <laughs> just get executed. Um, but what happens is it's not July of 1936, they're right? you know, stages an uprising against the Republican government, which is, which is not a democratic government of any kind by then. It's just, uh, you know, a continuing street riot. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they tried to distill order. They don't know where the voting from the two so most so unlikely into 1939. And it's a very bloody war. But the right um, reacts almost belatedly. You know, and there quite people like Franco are willing to go along with the Republic and be able to accept this. And, but there, there's so many indignities that get heaped on, uh, you know, middle-class Spanish Catholics that, in the, you know, in the end, uh, most of them just go over uh, to the uh, to the rebels, the nationalist revolutionaries. Um, and I think the same thing is going to happen here. The the right doesn't seem to react at all you know, well, we'll pray, we'll have a prayer vigil or something like that. <clears throat> you don't see much violence, you know, and, and there's even a little violence, they like overreact, like somebody breaks into the Capitol building wearing a funny hat or so. Oh, this is terrible. I put them all in jail. This is an insurrection. Well, it's nothing, absolutely nothing happened, right? It was killing, was killing done by the left and by the Washington police and so forth. So the, the right really has not yet shown a violent hand, whereas the left has repeatedly by now. But I think the right is capable of the same degree of violence. And I think the question is, when will they strike back and in what way? Because it will come. I mean, the only thing you see now are some crazy, uh, you know, some crazy white racists going and shooting some black people or something. These are isolated acts of psychopaths, uh, but, but I, or blacks doing this to whites in the case of Show, Wisconsin. But I, I think what is going to happen is that there will be a right-wing backlash in the end, and you'll see violence on both sides. Um, uh, there, there was something I, I was listening to was this Greg Gutfeld saying, you know, the Democrats, they were pretty good, and now they, they're, they're a little ridiculous. You know, it's like mom and pop having a, f- a fight. But, you know, they can go back, and we can have, like, dialogues again between both. I, I don't know what world this man is living in. You know, more like Spain in 1935 than like, uh, you know, Eisenhower's America right now. To reach that point, there isn't really much holding that society together. Um, And I I would agree, the strongest nations are the ones with the most organic relations. Um, Only they're sort of extensions of the family, you know, like uh, Aristotle's notion of the polis, uh, sort of the family writ large. Um, uh, But, you know, you do have a problem when a country reaches 350 million and is made up of all this diversity. You know, what exactly is going to hold it together beside political correctness and 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 capitalism? you know the, the existence of the existence of a market or quasi market economy. So I can understand why people turn to this propositional nation. There, there is a a, a a kind of alternative that people have, have argued for, which is called civic nationalism. I think oh. you know, national conservative, uh, to the extent that it makes any sense at all. You know, I'm not because you know I'm not a fan of, uh, mm-hmm. of, that, of that neocon front organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, uh, but they do try to appeal to civic nationalism. So it's more than just proposition. You know, it's a sort of. Um, Uh, a belief, a belief in a way of life that are sort of intertwined. I'm not sure I really see this uh, in in the United States. I mean, I can understand um, how a Latvian uh, or an Israeli or, you know, people, I don't know, a Dane Dane or somebody feels. um...
0: Okay. The the video just got deleted, but – a lot of a lot of uh, follow-up points there on what Paul Godfrey was saying. He made some interesting points, and I think he said a lot of things that were just crazy. So th- this notion that if you believe in civic nationalism or even proposition nationalism, that that's the only nationalism you can possibly be- believe in. Look, you can simultaneously believe in proposition nationalism, that your country stands for certain ideals. You can also believe in civic nationalism, you... Look out for the best interests of your extended family, the nation, and believe in ethnic nationalism and racial nationalism and religious nationalism, right? You can be in the United States of America and believe in the proposition nation that America stands for certain ideals. At the same time, you can also believe in civic nationalism that your, your lot is thrown in with the American nation, and so you want the American nation to thrive, and that nation is more important to you than any other nation. You can hold both of those beliefs simultaneously and in additionally have an ethnic component to your nationalism that you feel most comfortable with with your particular ethnic group in the United States. And you can layer on top of that a religious nationalism that the US Constitution was inspired by God that the United States is doing God's work in the world. It's not like if you hold one type of nationalism, that that's then therefore exclusive to all other types of, of nationalism. And then, poor Gottfried going on, how it's very likely that the country breaks up. That's nonsense. It's very unlikely that the country breaks up. For for so many reasons. First of all, the hard men in the military would, would never allow it. Second, it just would not work practically. Uh, third, Politics is not the primary consideration for 90% of people, not even for 95% of people. For maybe 5% of people, politics is numero uno. But generally speaking, Republicans and Democrats get along okay in in regular life. They are not at each other's throats in the real world. They're at each other's throats on cable TV, on Twitter, on YouTube, right? Activists may be at each other's throats so many things that Paul Godfrey just said that uh, I strongly disagree with. He, he uh, on the one hand, he remonstrates with various scholars for not doing their homework, but he comes up with these broad electoral fraud allegations for which there's no evidence, right? Just because Mark Zuckerberg uh, donated money for the, the counting of uh, ballots for for making, making possible, uh, making it smoother for, for votes to be counted in our 2020 election during, during a time of pandemic, that does not ipso facto show that there was fraud. It's an excellent thing to investigate. For example, did Mark Zuckerberg facilitate and encourage getting out the vote in Democratic areas far more than Republican areas? All right. then what effect did that have on the electoral vote? I would like to know someone needs to do that work. All these people are just so convinced that the 2020 election was fraudulent. They should go do the work to establish their case, but they're too lazy to do the work or they're not incompetent enough, or they don't really believe what they're saying. This is just emotional venting. It's got to be one of those three. And none of those three make people who believe in massive electoral fraud in the 2020 election look good. So It's a very unimpressive group because if you were able to establish that electoral fraud cost Donald Trump the 2020 election, you would be the most impactful, influential, famous, and venerated journalist in American history. You would be set for life. right? You would make millions of dollars. You would uh, fly around giving speeches for $50,000 a speech. You would be sainted and venerated in Republican circles. You'd have women throwing themselves at you. Your life would be made if you could only factually establish the case that voter fraud cost Trump the 2020 election. But there's no evidence of that so far. So go go do the homework. Paul Godfrey keeps telling other scholars to go do their homework. Well, someone in Paul Godfrey's camp should go do their homework and substantiate this case about uh, v- voter fraud. And then is there anyone on the distant right does not have a massive case of martyr complex i was just talking about this with with a friend and it just seems like everyone uh, on the distant right has this 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 martyr complex so it's a victim complex it's it's desiring being a martyr for its own sake seeks out suffering a persecution because it uh, feeds a desire to avoid responsibility right often this belief comes from the martyr believes he's been singled out for persecution because of his exceptional ability or integrity. Right? Or that they're willfully suffering in the name of love or duty. Right, so so poor Godfrey despises regnery publishing because they won't publish him. Uh, that that seems to be taking things a little too personally. And then this notion that if the Democrats win in the next election, that, that America is going to turn into a Stalinist woke dictatorship I mean that's absolutely nuts that's absolutely absurd that we're going to have a Stalinist regime in the United States like murdering millions of people if the Democrats win that's that's nonsense and uh, then, then Joseph Carter said Democrats are in the ascendancy no, Republicans are in ascendancy but for the first time in my lifetime, I heard one socialist democratic pollster say it that uh, Americans who who didn't vote that they're, they're probably more likely to vote for Republican than vote for for Democrats. Republicans are poised for a major series of victories in the twenty twenty two midterms, and they're looking far better than the Democrats for twenty twenty four as well. Okay, just. Uh... Trying to trying to read my notes here. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, it's just Paul saying they were heading for a work leftist dictatorship and the country's going to break up. And I just, I think those are both absurd propositions. Now, this is an extraordinary moment in a recent telephone call that Richard Spencer published on his Radix journal he makes the case for pursuing the sinister path, the immoral past path, and the dishonest path i mean he, he's He's trying to seize the mantle of the hardest man in history. Listen to this discussion it's It's incredible
9: a rousing of suspicion if you've got to hide behind you know Turkey fucker three thousand on a internet forum instead of yeah. just letting everybody see who you are. And probably something for our movement although I, I understand and fully appreciate how difficult it is but um yeah when it's just some weirdo who hides behind a, a, you know some obviously fake name then it's inherently to the person that i know we're not trying to you know quote unquote get everyone on our side but we don't want a, people to look at us and go oh they're a fucking weirdo because they're using this you know avatar and okay. you know we just arouse suspicion inherently whereas if you go forthrightly my name is such-and-such. Such. You know, these are sincerely held beliefs, um, and I do believe, ultimately, these are moral beliefs. And, you know, anyone that's even in good faith marketing is going to go, well, I still think that's wrong, but I don't see you as, you know, your, <laughs> the virgin mm-hmm. incel weirdo on 4chan.
10: Okay, but I'm going to call you out here a little bit. Um
9: Uh-oh. go ahead.
10: <laughs> keep in mind <laughs> that, in many ways, our beliefs are immoral and wicked.
0: Right, he is embracing being immoral and wicked. What normal person, particularly with a family and some kind of position in life, wants to embrace a movement that its leader says is essentially immoral, wicked, and sinister? Like Richard Spencer is explicitly, publicly advocating for taking the sinister and dishonest path.
10: I mean, I think this is something we actually have to. I... You have to embrace that because I think there's another, there's something else that we've done. Like, for instance, I use my name, I don't use a pseudonym. I have, I think I've used a pseudonym like twice in my entire life to write like a couple of blogs that I thought were bad. Actually, when I was at Talkie Mag, I wrote a few things that I thought were bad, and so I put them under another name. <laughs> I was like, I read them, and I was like, oh, this is shit. I can't improve it, so I'm just going to publish it under another name. People people in the comments are like, oh, this is great. We should have more of this guy, no more Richard Spencer. (laughs) But anyway, um, I use my name, and so I have to take responsibility. So, I mean, I can be a bit edgy and outrageous, but at the end of the day, I have to take responsibility for what I'm doing. And Hmm. that's a problem.
0: So you have to speak. Did you get that? That's a problem. Right, That's a problem, says Richard, that he has to take responsibility for what he says. But he's got a way around it. He's smarter than everyone else. He's going to say different things to different audiences. And, and this is just going to reduce Richard's agonies in life. Speak in a
10: certain way. And you do have to wear a certain mask. But
0: Right. If he's telling you he's going to speak in certain ways and he's going to wear a mask... And he's going to take the sinister path, and he's going to advocate his movement take the sinister path. But nothing to be concerned about here, folks.
10: But what I mean by saying—and so I'm not going to go out and, and, like, act immorally or say things that are awful and, you know, worthy of contempt and so on. But what I mean by immoral—and and this is what I think everyone needs to be psychologically conditioned to—
0: is Guys, you got to psych up to take the sinister path. That—
10: we are attempting to undermine the moral fabric of America.
0: We are seeking to undermine the moral fabric of America. Do you realize how dangerous that is? Do you realize the slender threads by which civilization hangs? And if you unravel those threads, what happens is mass slaughter. Right? We're talking mass genocide.
10: Like, we are doing something, and again, I'm saying this to a particular crowd. I'm not saying this publicly. Like, we aren't moral,
0: and we aren't— Come on, guys. Come join my cause. We aren't moral. We are sinister. We are deceptive.
10: Doing something that is ultimately, like, for the good of America or the world as it's currently constituted.
0: Yeah, it's for for the good of America, but a little later he says we don't care about America.
10: We do want to ultimately undermine the moral system in which we
0: live. So we are Okay, so we all have objections to the moral system in, in which we live, but I certainly don't want to undermine it because I don't see what are the other far superior moral systems out there. I mean, do you want to live in Korea? Do you want to live in Nigeria? Do you want to live in in France or, or Germany or Russia? Do you want to live in Hungary or England or Brazil or Argentina or Guatemala or Honduras or Mexico or Canada? I don't see a lot of other moral systems out there for nation states that I think are just so much more superior to what America offers. Now, compared to a country in your fantasies, yeah. In your fantasies, there are amazing moral systems out there. In your fantasies, there are all these amazing nation states out there that we should emulate. But in reality, not so much. Sinister.
10: Mm -hmm. And He
0: wants to go sinister.
10: We do want to ultimately undermine the moral system in which we live. So we are sinister. Mm -hmm.
0: We do want to undermine the moral system in which we live. We are sinister. So that's some uh, pretty edgy content, just wonder what he means
10: and we it isn't I, I and i i guess i'm I'm stressing this because I think people need to get morally conditioned to what needs to be done in the sense that there's a lot of happy talk in the movement about like we just want national
0: yeah we we, we don't want any of that happy talk guys we don't want people putting great importance on, on being happy, no, we want people who are unhappy. We want to attract the miserable, but right? We want to attract the dysfunctional. We want to attract the people who aren't cutting it and are filled with rage.
10: Nationalism and, you know, we just want to all go home again and we're going to all be happy, happy homelands. This is one of my <laughs> least favorite memes from like Ramsey Paul or whatever. And this is all good.
0: Why would someone hate the, the meme of happy homelands? Like, what's wrong with wanting to be happy? What's wrong with wanting to have a happy home? What's wrong with wanting to have a happy homeland? These are all good things. These are all beautiful things.
10: You know, whatever. That's not what we're about. Um, We are on a campaign of demoralization. A a vicious campaign.
0: We are on a vicious campaign. Of demoralization. Gee, I, I just I just wonder. I, I I don't know about you, but I just wonder what what Richard Spencer really stands for. I mean, w- what's he really all about? Fucking
6: hundred times! I am so mad! I am so, yeah, so fucking it. mad at these people! Yeah, they are. don't do this to fucking me! Right. We're gonna fucking ritualistically go. humiliate them! Good. I am coming back here every fucking weekend if I have to! Like this is never over! No. I win! They fucking lose! That's how the world fucking works. Little fucking kites. They get ruled by people like me. Little fucking oxaroons. I fucking my ancestors fucking enslaved those pieces of fucking shit. We're gonna win. I rule the fucking world. Those pieces of shit. they ruled by people like me. They look up and see a face like mine looking down at them. That's how the fucking world works. We are gonna destroy this fucking.
0: Wow, he sounds a lot like... Do black lives
6: matter to you? Do black lives matter to you? Do black lives matter, right, Karen? Fucking white piece of shit, you little fucking pussy-ass bitch! Oh, yeah? You want to fucking go, Karen? No! No! Until black lives matter... Until black lives matter, no life matters!
0: Yeah, Richard sounds a bit like the Black Lives Matter activists?
10: Um, A campaign of revenge, you could say.
0: Yeah, come join me on my campaign of revenge and demoralization. It's guaranteed to be be sinister and dishonest.
10: Um, A campaign that's going to undermine and demean all of the things that most people hold sacred.
0: We are on a campaign to undermine and demean most things that people hold sacred. Wow, that couldn't possibly go wrong. What kind of people will be attracted to this? I mean that this? very seriously. Mm.
10: That's not something that I was going to say, but like...
0: He means this very seriously. Yeah, I think he really does mean this very seriously. It, it means that this evil rant that he goes on, this is who he is.
6: am like a fucking hundred times. I am so mad. I am so fucking mad at these people. They don't do this to fucking me.
0: Yeah. That rent that is who rich it is that wasn 't a mistake that wasn 't an accident that wasn 't something that was not reflective of him the world
10: the, we we
0: can't like i don't i don't
10: think we should go out there and fight every battle i I think that's something that I really learned and and so on like if you 're just resisting everything everything you 're just going to get bulldozed at some point, but what we ultimately want to accomplish is really the opposite of the current moral system and so from the perspective
0: okay think about the opposite of the current moral system so you have a flawed country but still it would it would rank definitely in in the top two percent of best run countries we have a crime problem but probably less crime than 80 percent of countries right we have unparalleled levels of prosperity and freedom and he wants the opposite of these things
10: active of the moral system for the perspective of real america we are evil
0: from the perspective of real america we are evil
10: on the um... get into this kind of like anti-china posting or or like trains and if they want exactly, or their vision for a world. I know their vision for, right now, like the Chinese people, the Chinese Communist Party, and Chimerica relationship. But I don't, I don't understand, and I, I don't know if they have something beyond that. Had a system of, uh, sun, but... It's very pertinent here. You know, we we'll... failed to colonize Vietnam. Mm-hmm.
0: Talk about China. China.
4: And
10: in World War II, uh, Japan, right, uh, even going to
4: deal with Mongol DNA, China has been relevant
10: talk about how oh I, yeah i mean i i see where you're going but i and and i do kind of i, I don't have any kind of like inherent antagonism towards the chinese or something but you know it, it has to be about us and not you know
0: is it wow who's the us okay it has to be all about us but who's the us that richard is campaigning for
10: necessarily a good thing i don't know um I, you know I've, I've heard a lot of people who are who are very pro-russia say well you know russia's invasion of ukraine this is this is kind of like a rough draft or or a experiment in an illiberal power taking on the west or whatever and i i, I don't know i sense i sense a lot of wishful thinking and kind of warping in, in statements like that like i don't know if it's necessarily a good thing um it obviously can coexist with america becoming extremely liberal and uh it's really whether what do they see in us like what do they what do they see that do, is this going to help us in some way but i'm not i'm not interested in like the triumph of illiberalism around the world um, you know, I, I'm i just simply interested in the triumph of, you know, the future of Aryans.
0: Oh, he's not a white nationalist, but all he's interested in is the triumph of Aryans. So he's an Aryan nationalist, but he's not a white nationalist. right? All this rhetoric uh, over the past few years, oh, I'm not a white nationalist anymore. It's BS.
10: Interested in like the triumph of liberalism around the world. Um, you know, I... I'm just simply interested in the triumph of, you know, the future of Aryans, and so I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's an open question. Well, I never suggested oh. that illiberalism uh, is a goal. Um, certainly didn't mean to suggest that. It's just the goal that you stated uh, would not illiberalism be a necessary pretext for it? Uh, it's yeah. necessary, not sufficient. It's not sufficient. Yeah. It's necessary. Well, my point Maybe. about oh, sorry. my on. point about China is, um, and Japan is that those two civilizations, um, they only look next door. They don't have the same global um, looking outward that um, that the Western world.
9: Oh, Richard, I was just... There was a cat to the sort of foremost, like, and it's every conservative... or, absolutely. or something.
10: Negativity. I, I think that's actually... That's a question I ask you about. Question to ask is is a, is a kind of... Okay. When, when I, I might have seen this interview. I, I, I've, I've certainly seen a lot of Jared Taylor.
0: Talking about a Jared Taylor interview on Australian 60 Minutes.
10: Interviews, but mm. um, I... I imagine what she's saying is, is, a, is a kind of challenge in a way. It's, it's like, are you, what are you about other than hating on blacks or Hispanics or something? Yeah. Yeah. And isn't yeah. that actually a good question to ask? You know, because mm. I mean, I don't know. I'm maybe not as much of a fan of Jared Taylor as you are. I mean, I, I think that is a good question for a lot of these groups. Like, what are you about? Like you're, you're talking about crime or these illegals flying across the border and so on. Like, what are you really offering that isn't just pure negativity. I, I think that's actually that's a question I ask myself a lot. I mean that it's a good question. And maybe it was hmm. bluntly put. Um, but I don't know. I mean I, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I feel like that kind of thing has been tried and the I just love my people. Well, do we just love our people? I mean, our people got us into this situation.
9: <laughs> I know that I mean, like, it's like a yeah
10: flaws within us brought us to this point. And Yes. Our people don't necessarily love us. And so, like, the white race isn't just behind us in the way that they are behind, like, Al Sharpton or something. The black, blacks are <laughs> to a very much greater extent. Behind-
0: so he's, he's only interested in Aryans, but really only a small percentage of Aryans. Uh, Richard tweets, Bitcoin is useless. Say what you will about gold bugs. They're more grounded in reality than Bitcoin enthusiasts.
10: Behind Al Sharpton, they are behind Jared, the whites are behind Jared Taylor. So it's a more difficult relationship. And I, I think it does raise some questions that, that are that are worth worth asking. And I, I understand what you're saying, and I'm and I'm not suggesting that we act in a public manner in some kind of like just vile manner and just, you know, come up Jerry Springer caricature and, you know, go up and say, you know, down with Jews on on a talk show and, and-
0: God forbid, God forbid. Richard tweets People with mental and developmental disabilities have the right to vote in America. It might overturning Roe v. Wade, among other things, be an attempt to generate a new constituency for the GOP in red states?
10: Whatever. I, I think that's not a, not yeah. obviously not a good thing. But like to hate something is to want something better.
0: Yes, I agree with Richard on Bitcoin. I came out hard against Bitcoin about uh, 18 months ago.
10: It is to want to kind of overcome our current situation. And so we kind of do have to hate whites on some level like
0: so he has no interest in non aryans and he also hates whites he wants to pursue a sinister immoral agenda i don't know where this could go wrong
10: we're not good enough we got ourselves in this position we're not getting ourselves out of it we're doing all sorts of silly things as resistance and we we do kind of need to at least psychologically understand that among ourselves it, it, whether we say that publicly is debatable but how we understand ourselves now i I don't think it should be you know you to to hate something can be pure resentment and in that sense i I think it is very negative just to kind of like well i hate all these mexicans you know um and i these blacks are committing crime i hate them the jews are in control
0: yeah richard is interesting because he has a higher degree of self-awareness the most role of wall street i hate them that's pure
10: (laughs) resentment but hating the world in the sense that we want to overcome it we want to see something else that is a different type of emotion. And and I, and I do think, you know, we're not in a situation. And I mean, I remember saying this actually at an Amarin conference many years ago now, like we're not in a situation where we can just, um, you know, like the white race is just being exterminated and, you know, we're, we're just on the gangplank, plank and we're like, well, I love my people and I'll sacrifice for them. We're not in that situation. We're in a very different situation. And, you know, I, I, just, I, I think that kind of like, well, I just love my people thing. I, I'm not sure that, is how we should understand ourselves. Whether we can mm. communicate that to the public is, is not a bad thing. I mean, you know, I love my people. I love what we can be, and so I, I think there are ways of communicating that to the public. But that is PR. You know, at the end of the day, like I do hate whites.
0: <laughs> at the end of the day, I do hate whites. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I mean, this does make you quite the, the compelling uh, talker.
9: Don't you see an <laughs> innate contradiction in hating mm. us because we hate us? no the more ironic better i think
10: (laughs) (laughs) hold on what did you say hating us because we hate us what what do you mean isn't that
9: isn't that paradoxical to hate us because we hate us
10: no well it's not it is paradoxical but Mm. i think that's yeah we hate ourselves and i hate that it is kind of a paradox but paradoxes are good
9: I, I I hate that <laughs> to say that oh, I hate us because I hate us. I agree with that, you know, just yeah. another level of intricacy there. But um, it was purely just PR because I, and, I right. mean, people might just roll their eyes at me being sort of the white collar wanker. Um, just look right. at my avatar for God's sakes and look at that parted hairline, you know, just screams wanker. <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I just see, even if it's possible, and I, I think it definitely is what you're suggesting um, to sound so lovey-dovey and ridiculous, um, two centuries saying I agree with you rightly see that I mean to say that mm,
10: disarming and reframing is one of the most powerful things you can do
9: But anyway and we're not expecting a big thank you letter in the mail this Friday you know we want to we're going to do it regardless
10: yeah I I get it but I I think Mm. disarming and reframing is one of the most powerful things you can do and maybe just saying you love the white race is not really doing that I mean one of the powerful thing about Jesus was his ability to reframe a question and Mm. I I yeah maybe saying actually I hate whites that might disarm the Karen a little bit more (laughs) <laughs> you might be right there because <laughs> it's not what she her mind is it has a logic to it it's going in a certain direction and you say you, you disrupt that
11: yes
9: it's like yes. yeah i
10: agree with you whites are terrible that's why we need to change
9: you're actually that's- sorry to keep on waffling over you but um where i am it's sort of very much i want the ones who may be innately predisposed to that so
10: i use this example during the trump administration like lgbtq identification went from like 10 percent to 20 percent among zoomers and young millennials and so you know i I don't know what to say there there seems to be something about our culture that kind of can't be resisted, and a lot of this does adhere to the kind of spiteful mutants concept of of dudden and and others of like we're just Mm. we're breeding people who are mentally ill and and prone to heart disease and all sorts of things so there there are things that we kind of
0: like if you don't die young of infectious disease you're going to die of a long-running disease whether it's cancer or heart disease doesn't matter how much you work out or what you eat in the end, you're going to die. And if you don't die quickly from infectious disease, you're very likely to die from cancer and heart disease, and there's never going to be a cure.
10: can't resist. And, and uh, you know, I don't know. The, this idea that we just need to be, like, saving everyone, I, I feel is a is a losing prospect. And sometimes the best attitude towards this is, that, like, look, these people are going to die. They're not going to reproduce, you know? Like, mm-hmm. do we want to have a compulsory girlfriend for everyone at 4chan? You know, like, that that would create horrifying consequences of all of these like incel types having multiple children or so i mean I, again i don't think this is going to happen of course but like it, it's, a, it's a dark prospect so i i don't know i mean what we say to the out, outside world and how we analyze things and what we say to each other might be very different things and it, it's kind of hard psychologically to talk to different audiences but I, I think it is a skill that we need to learn this all gets back to my general concept of, of um the sinister quality of, of what we're up to uh, when did I link the, to this? The quality uh, of yeah. what
0: <laughs> I we have. think we're up they to.
10: ultimately want what we want. Now, with the, with, with the real American type people, would they have have it better in a world run by us? Of course, mm. but they don't know that, and I don't. I don't think we we really have anything to offer them. Like, if I were to offer thinking people, telling them like I want to, I am literally with Mark attempting to create a new religion, and this is very you know, outrageously ambitious, you could say. Um, Mm. But we are actually going to do it. And it is very serious what we are doing. But this might take decades. And it it is not something that I I might even not see it. And what we need to do is create, again, the the left-hand
0: path and and just smaller communities. This is his uh, Martin Luther King speech. I may not get there with you, but I see the promised land. That are trying to
10: engage in projects and influence on our own. If I pitch that, to the guy in Kalispell who was screaming at me, he would just scream at me or laugh at me. He, he wants yeah. nothing to do with
9: them. Can't comprehend it. Yeah.
10: No. If he, can't, if he comprehends it, it sounds awful.
9: <laughs> yeah, because that type of person is so partial to just grabbing a pitchfork and screaming obscenities. And they want... I mean, there's a reason why Trump, of course, appealed to them is because he's just a buffoonish and they see themselves in him like just someone that'll be crude and vulgar yeah. and outrageous. And that's what appeals to them. Whereas the sort of... I don't mean this in a facetious way, like just this sort of intellectual approach. And um, again, that word, the clandestine approach of, no, this is very, very difficult stuff. that has got to be, you know, made incrementally. They, they just look at you and go, ah, and <laughs> that homosexual. Right. So every time I listen to one of your things, Richard, you, there's some hideous, vulgar Cretan co- <laughs> rings up with the homosexual, So I can't believe it. Said you want to do it type of thing.
10: <laughs> do you know how, like, if, if it were a basketball score of the amount of pussy I've got into my life and the amount of <laughs> pussy achieved by the guy calling me gay, it would be How like much? the Harlem Globetrotters versus the Washington generals. So it would be like 100
9: to nothing or something. And that's wow. the obvious part. I mean, the, the Freudian yeah. part. So is, well, let's not even mention the Freudian part of it, but
4: <laughs> that's <laughs> right.
9: even funny. Wow,
0: Rich has gotten so much pussy, guys. <laughs> anyway, I, so um, much. We so, are talking about yeah. states, I, I individual so states much. within the
4: nation, not the nation state, right? The, 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 the right, you know, the, Robert the state. Robert Wright,
0: Mickey Kass. They the, mentioned the word well, state. Well, regulation, state militia?
4: I don't know.
12: Yeah, the state militia. The Supreme
0: Court gun rules, I don't know.
12: The third thing is you're... I am told that the people say that the gun the gun bill that just passed uh does have does have some very positive implications for uh background checks of guns it it eliminates some of the bureaucratic problems uh, involved in actually checking people so that there is actual progress there
4: you know, it's so far from serious legislation. by the way what the second amendment says is a well regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state with state capitalized uh, whatever who knows it's what it. that means yeah, I don't know uh,
12: Anyway it's um the imagine the the counter whatever it is the whatever it is the uh counter history whatever it's called uh,
4: counterfactual
12: counterfactual if uh alternative history if this court had not issued Roe in 73 we'd be a much more peaceful place we would have had debates in the legislature the the the, the right to life would have had their say they would have lost in most of them but one in some of them they would have hopes for winning more next year likewise if the pro-abortion people had uh, lost they would have hopes for winning again next year uh and we wouldn't have had this whole it would be one area where like the size are at each other at loggerheads at increasingly violent loggerheads that would have been eliminated the, the, the issue is I think I talked about this before, maybe not that um if you does that mean that getting rid of Roe will produce peace? I think not. I think things are too far gone now. I think uh you know the the, the uh some some legislators are going to introduce a bill I think it already has been introduced saying you know uh women who consider an abortion can be committed to a mental institution <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not going to pass but 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 people are going to go to extremes to try to get attention because that's the as you pointed out that's the social environment we live in now whereas if we'd had if we'd had fifty years of peaceful solution. Democratic solution of the abortion dilemma, we'd be in much better shape, despite
4: the environment of social media where everybody tries to be extreme. Yeah, I don't think I don't think things are going to get a lot more peaceful yes. on that front. I mean, one thing I said I'm kind of worried about is if the, if the Democrats make you know elect make it the rallying cry that we need to elect senators who will select justices who will reverse row that there will be a counter reaction to that by Republicans. I don't know, and, and that's why I, I'd like more emphasis on the rallying cry, on the guns rallying cry, like give states the right. Uh, to regulate the carrying of guns in public, that just should seem, you know, I and mean, most to most people, I think that's uncontroversial. They would, they they would, uh, you know, and I think they should make that the big the big thing. But uh, well, I think they're both pretty big things. But the I think the second one evokes less of a counter. It, 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 it's less amenable to the Republicans using you're saying that to drive their people to the polls. That's my argument. Is that uh, if, there are a lot of pro people. I mean, the Democrats haven't pushed this issue for
12: years because they lost West Virginia because of the gun issue. So, uh, How, so yeah, but... the Democrats have been terrified of the pro-gun populace. The other thing is, Roe uh, puts it back in the hands of the state legislature, so there will be fights in the state legislature, so the Democratic Party up and down the line will have an argument, vote for us. Uh, the, the, the gun decision yeah. takes it out of the hands of the state legislature, so electing a state, Democratic state legislator isn't going to do you any good. All the focus has to be at the top on the Supreme Court, and that's a, that's a fight. We've, you know, we've had those sorts of fights for decades and decades, and it's not clear that this gives the Democrats that much more leverage. It's yeah. true that it's slightly – in some guises, it may put the law and order issue on their side, which is a big deal.
4: I, I just mean I think there are a whole lot of people who are pro-gun and exercised about the gun thing up to a point but don't really want to carry one to their Walmart. Like they want to have the gun. They want to be able to go hunting. They want to have it in their house. They want to go to the, the shooting range. They don't need to carry it. And they Walmart. don't want other people to have it. And then they Walmart. may not. They actually may not want other people carrying around. Well, that's Walmart. the big issue. I mean, in issues. fact, some of them may be white people who don't want black people carrying them around.
12: Well, that's a huge sleeper issue that's wildly underestimated by the NRA. Uh, which uh which is that black people with guns terrify white people, right so uh if a, if a decision if the nRA equally enforces the right to the Second Amendment, which they have to do because that's the right thing to do, there're going to be a lot of people carrying guns that white people don't want to carry guns, and it's it's a big emotional sort of undercurrent issue that is mm-hmm. never addressed, except right. uh, one can talk about it in podcasts and
4: you see a no. guy you know hundred yards from your house and he's got a gun you can't you can't call the police. Is that what Americans want?
12: No, I think if you see the gun you can't call the police
4: no you can't if guns, if anyone's allowed to carry a gun.
12: Do you think this applied to unconcealed open carry? I too? believe, yeah, I do, I do. I believe it applied huh. to both. I didn't know that. Uh, I mean, they actually...
0: Yeah, that's the the big uh, sleeper issue. How are people going to feel, how are, how are white people going to feel when a large number of black people are walking around carrying guns?
1: Likable Democrats in Congress. They have joined forces on the issue, Elizabeth Warren and Sandy Cortez, and they are suggesting that Joe Biden can issue an executive order authorizing the construction of abortion camps, federal clinics on federal lands. Watch. There are
13: other places the
3: president could act to uh, dampen the ability of these companies to track women who travel out of state to an abortion clinic, to provide funds for people who
5: are traveling, and to look into the use of federal lands. We have many ideas we have um, some ideas coming from senator warren signed a letter along with 25 other uh, democratic senators asking president biden to explore uh, opening health care clinics on federal lands in red states
1: we're not going to help you raise your standard of living afford food or gasoline or housing but we can help you not to have a family abby johnson is a former planned parenthood director she joins us tonight abby thanks so much for coming on. Abortion camps on federal lands. Did you ever think you'd hear this?
5: Never. But, hey, maybe Elizabeth Warren can get us a discount from her tribal ancestors or something. But, listen, this would be extreme executive overreach if this actually happened. And I mean, you're exactly right. Hey, they don't want to spend any money on actually helping women who are pregnant. But hey, let's spend billions of right. dollars on, you know, building abortion clinics on what Native American land or our federal parks. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Let's just provide for women who need resources for their babies right now. Women couldn't even get formula a few weeks ago. But yeah, let's just build abortion clinics instead.
1: What I don't understand is, where's the meaning in American life? I mean, if, if having children has no meaning, if it's not the main source of joy in a person's life, then, then what is? I mean, Netflix? Like, what are they offering up to replace the void of children? Well, I mean, they're
5: really not offering anything right now. I mean, you know, Tucker, when people, you know, that saying is when when people tell you who they are, you should believe them. These are people who are currently, you know, firebombing pregnancy centers. They are calling to kill babies. We need to believe them. These aren't pro-choice people. These are people who want to kill babies. They are pro-abortion. We need to believe them when they say that.
6: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I never used to call people pro-abortion. I always felt it was an honest disagreement. I, I've always been pro-life, but I always respected people who disagreed. I didn't think they were pro-abortion, but they are. And it's shocking to me. Abby, I appreciate your coming on tonight. Thank you.
5: Of course. Thank you.
1: A majority of justice on the Supreme Court just voted to overturn Roe v. Wade. Of course, that's why we're having this conversation. But weirdly, the Democratic Party is focusing on just one of them. The black one. That would be Clarence Thomas. Here's Lieutenant Governor of California. Watch. This decision is delegitimizing the Supreme Court. Who is Clarence
5: Thomas? Is he my Saudi Arabian father who's going to tell me what I can and cannot do with my body, with my life? And that's what this is coming down to. So these people have a misconception about who is going to listen
1: to that. There's the vax mandate lady whining about people telling her what to do with her body. Please. Actor Samuel Jackson also went after Clarence Thomas with a racial attack. Quote, how's Uncle Clarence feeling about overturning Loving versus Virginia? Loving versus Virginia, of course, Supreme Court case that overturned precedent. It held that bans on interracial marriage were unconstitutional. So these are just racial attacks. Why against Clarence Thomas, of all the six members who voted to overturn Roe v. Wade. Mark Paoletta is an attorney, a close friend of Clarence Thomas. He has a new book called Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in His Own Words, and a film. We just interviewed him the other day. He joins us again tonight. Mark, thanks so much for coming on. So it it does seem like so you had six Supreme Court justices vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. Again, you could be for legal abortion and still recognize that Roe v. Wade was an absurd Supreme Court decision that degraded the institution of the court. And be against it. But why Thomas? Why are they going after one out of six?
14: Because the left is racist, Uh Tucker. They expect Clarence Thomas to think the way a black man should based on the color of his skin. And Clarence Thomas for 30 years, 40 years, has refused to do that. And they want to destroy him. And that's what they've been doing and coming after him. And the bottom line is Clarence Thomas doesn't care at all what they think.
1: It's just so funny, though, I mean, if you compare the attitudes of the average black guy in America to the average white liberal in America on abortion, the black guy is way more opposed to abortion than the average white liberal. So why does Clarence Thomas have to have the same views as an NPR listener?
14: And that's what he's been saying for 40 years, and it's the left demands it, and they will, they will go after him. But it is a great day for the Constitution, uh, you know, with, with, with Roe being overturned, with, with uh, the Second Amendment being strengthened, consistent with the Constitution, with religious liberties today coming down, uh, consistent with the Constitution. And it's all aligning with where Clarence Thomas has been for the past 30 years.
1: Yeah, I think it's a fair point. He's, he's been saying it this whole time, as you point out in your book. Mark, great to see you again. Thank you.
0: We're
1: broadcasting from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil tonight, one of the most famous cities in the world, and for good reason, certainly one of the most beautiful on the planet. You're looking at the Christ the Redeemer statue that's in the summit of Mount Corcovado, an amazing statue built in the early 30s. We're going to go there later in the week. So the January 6th committee has nothing to do with January 6th. The point of it is to punish the political opponents of the Biden administration, and to make certain Donald Trump doesn't run again, and they're doing it with the assistance of the so-called Justice Department, as run by Joe Biden. So already the committee, speaking of Stalinist overreach, has had Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro arrested, neither of whom committed any crime. They've also had the Fed search the home of a former DOJ official called Jeffrey Clark, who we spoke to last week. Then on Wednesday, the FBI showed up to seize the phone of a former Trump attorney called John Eastman, now, critically and illegally, they seized his phone before they presented him with a warrant, and it's on tape. Watch.
6: So go ahead and put your arms off for me. Can I see the for
2: warrant? your for, for me.
12: Can I see the warrant, please?
2: I'd like to see the warrant.
4: I'd like to see the warrant. I'd like to see the warrant. you see the warrant, I'd like to see the warrant before you take my property. Sir, there's
2: nothing warrant no, sir. Right.
14: I want you to see that they took my property before providing me with the warrant. I'd like to read the warrant. Disgraceful.
1: Wearing his little mask. Put your hands up as if Eastman is a threat. He's not. He's a lawyer. As you just saw, he's under subpoena from the speaking of illegitimate, wholly illegitimate Pelosi-Liz Cheney-led January 6th committee. Mr. Eastman joins us tonight. John Eastman, thank you so much for joining us tonight tonight. What exactly did you do wrong to be treated like a dangerous criminal by your government that you pay for?
2: Well, we don't know because the warrant doesn't say it authorizes Antana, them to seize my near, phone here. and all the information uh, contained in the phone. But there's no indication of uh, of, of any crime that this is connected to. Um, that's apparently in an attach in an affidavit, but the affidavit wasn't attached to the warrant. The Fourth Amendment's very.
0: Wow, a- extraordinary story here. Forty two dead uh found in in a in a tractor. So let, let's uh so let's have a look at this story. Um
2: as I put the scanner back on. Uh open too long at
11: Alpha Lee went to one four one Sally Port. At least 40? one forty one, buddy.
2: The article says at least 42 people found dead in 18-wheeler right, on southwest people. side. Do
11: you have anybody who can help us with a traffic stop?
2: And I don't even know if the scanner is talking about this. Really. Yeah, let me, let me, let me, for the moment, I'm going to turn the scanner off uh, for the moment. And I'll turn it back on in a second. I just want to get some of the basic details out here. At least 42 people were found dead inside a tractor trailer on the southwest side and 16 others were taken to area hospitals in varying conditions according to multiple police sources. Several San Antonio police vehicles as well as fire trucks and ambulances are covering a portion of Quintana Road in the southwest side. Uh, KSAT had said earlier, we have several crews where at least twenty people were reported dead inside a tractor at Cantana Road, in Kasson Road. and Cassin Road, wow. Cantana and Cassin. So let me just get the map up here.
0: Twenty-two dead in, in a tractor.
2: Uh, here.
0: That's uh, that's extraordinary.
2: Cantana and Cassin. That's going to be on the southwest side of of, uh, of.
0: Okay, we'll we'll keep an eye on on that story. So. Meanwhile, let's uh, let's go back to getting a little bit more here from Richard. Being
10: opposed to abortion is also pretty predictable, but it goes well beyond that. So they want to create a uh, electoral college for the state of Texas, so that much like our electoral college and our Senate system gives preference to land over population, you could say, um, this would do that. So they w- they will basically offer their rural voters a more power in electing statewide offices like governor um and i guess the state senate and things like that they'll be using a electoral college system they mentioned secession so they want to have a referendum in 2023
0: on whether texas Texas. should
10: reinstitute itself as a reconstitute itself as a republic and they they also have some just funny things in there like they want stricter laws against corporations that are like woke corporations that are promoting gay rights and CRT and all the stuff that Texas can like use state anti-monopoly power. Or <laughs> um, and then the other thing was these little things that you can easily overlook, but maybe are telling there, there were, there were things in there like San Antonio, uh, we want stricter laws against doxing and swatting. So, I mean, how many people are really exposed to doxing or swatting? This seems to be something directed at like lives of TikTok and Tim pool or something. So basically the, Texas law is like a big live stream or something like, like it, it's coming from a different place than a lot of this other stuff. So it's a grab bag of like sovereign citizen type stuff, you know, Texas as a Republic, a Republic, not a state, um, type stuff, which has been around for a while, but it's always been treated as rather silly and, and you know, not, not serious really. You know, it's like we, I grew up in Texas. I and mean, we would, we would joke about like, Oh, well, we might just decide to become a Republic again or something like that. And it's a grab bag of like the new right that's emerging online. Plus, um, the sovereign citizen stuff plus the, the latest conservative outrage and I, I was just kind of thinking about this like you know trump was the best aspects of trump and why i like trump and, and i imagine a lot of you did was he, he had a pat buchanan quality to him he had a ross perot quality to him even it was it was a kind of secular nationalism let's reindustrialize. let's stop getting you know, screwed over by the rest of the world. You know, America first. Like, like there was a there was a healthy and very normal and kind of, I don't know, mid-century or mid to late-century quality about him. I okay, mean, if you can find these, fight against- you know these interviews of Trump on Larry King from like the '80s or early '90s or something, where he's talking about he's talking about all these issues, like he's talking about Japan.
0: Okay, here's uh, we've got Fox News.
14: This is a Fox News Alert. I'm Kevin Cork live in Washington. A passenger train traveling from Los Angeles to Chicago yes, striking sorry. a dump truck in rural Missouri. The impact killing three people and injuring dozens more. Two of the people who were killed were on the Amtrak train. Another person was inside the truck. A spokesman for the Missouri State Highway Patrol says local hospitals have received more than 40 patients and are expecting even more victims. The extent of their injuries remains unclear at this hour. The Amtrak train carrying about 243 passengers and 12 crew members when the collision happened near Minden. That's about 100 miles northeast of Kansas City. The crash caused seven cars to derail. It's the second Amtrak collision this week. Three people were also killed Sunday when an Amtrak commuter train smashed into a car in Northern California, as you see the pictures right there. I'm Kevin Cork, live in Washington. Now back to more Tucker Carlson tonight. As the United
1: States focuses under the leadership of the Biden administration relentlessly on a conflict in Eastern Europe that is materially irrelevant to our interests, Latin America is falling apart, certainly from an American's perspective. Chile is now in rapid decline and anti-American. So that leaves Brazil as the only large economy in this hemisphere that remains pro-American. It's an enormous economy, ninth biggest in the world. Brazil has some of the deepest reserves of valuable natural resources on the planet. So if you care about the future of the United States, you ought to care deeply about the future of Brazil. And you should certainly be aware of China's strong and ongoing effort to turn Brazil into a Chinese colony. Now, the president of Brazil, Jair Bolsonaro is, again, the only pro-American leader left in Latin America. And yet, for the first year and a half of his presidency, our president, Joe Biden, ignored his existence completely. And if anything, the State Department was hostile to the Bolsonaro administration. Recently, Biden did finally meet with Bolsonaro for the very first time at the Summit of the Americas. Felipe Martins is a.
0: Okay, keep an eye on the.
10: And we need to make electronics here and we should stop
1: paying all this money to all
10: these, you know, NATO and things like that. Like we should get something out of it. Like it's all stuff that's totally reasonable and secular. He was pro-choice. He was not interested in the religious right, and then just adopted it later on. And so with a lot of the kind of like Texas stuff, like their platform, I could imagine him opposing those things or thinking that they're wrong or off base or or whatever. And I, I think it's a, an example of like MAGA doesn't need Trump at the end of the day. And he can get he He could go to jail for all of the j six shenanigans, and it won't really matter. There's going to be a kind of renewed and in many ways radical and in many ways unhinged maga that will outlast them and I, I don't know i mean I, I think we've kind of entered a new realm, and certainly the uh certainly like there's there's a lot of turning back the clock on issues that I think everyone assumed were basically settled, abortion being a classic one, but even like the gay issue, like well beyond you know trans children and things like that. And uh, so I just think we're in a kind of remarkable state with these guys. And also, I'll just say, like, I feel um, far more alienated from this type of MAGA than I do from, you know, like, the Trump of 2016 that never worked out or something. But they're going very hardcore. Um, I, don't, I don't think that they're going to go hardcore, really, on immigration issues. They'll, they'll go hardcore on, like, defending the border or whatever. That's a typical boilerplate, I think, to the right. Um, I don't think they're going to go hardcore on a lot of the things that were, you know, like, the edgy Trump supporter cared about. Um, This agenda didn't mention affirmative action. It did mention allowing people to without a law degree to take the bar exam and allowing uh, uh, other things like it was basically like suggesting that everyone become a lawyer like you don't need credentials to be a professional I guess you could even become a doctor, you could sell people, uh, you know, ivermectin and also sue, you know, acting pro se effectively like sue women for having abortions I mean it was wacky as hell not wacky on a lot of the things that, t- that Trump really talked about in 2016. So anyway, I just find it kind of fascinating. And um, I also would say that I'm, you know, speaking personally, I, uh, I, I think they're going wacky and radical in all the wrong directions. But anyway, just a thought. What do you guys think?
13: Is that I mean, would you, do you think that that's
10: as good a definition
13: of Trumpism as anything else, like wacky and radical in all the wrong directions?
10: Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a kind of earlier version of Trumpism. Um, I think there there's probably like a a Trumpism that should be rediscovered, but which I think is now kind of like totally impossible. And that is the Trump of the, you know, late 80s and 90s, this Trump that is a clearly kind of right wing on some level, but um, not a culture war issue, but a kind of Perot nationalism. I mean, Buchanan at his I mean, obviously Buchanan gave the speech that defined the, the culture war, but Buchanan at his most, you know, like interesting, I would say, and 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 is most like appealing to the right type of people. It, it wasn't the culture war, the abortion stuff, or the Catholicism. It was definitely much more the like, you know, we, we need to build a wall, we need to get control the immigration, we need to rethink foreign policy, no history, we're gonna become a republic again. We need to, you know, maintain our industries. You know, globalism's failed, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think we are now like well past all of these issues to the point where like I don't, you know, we're not living it's not like 1986 anymore. <laughs> so I feel like a lot of this is just water under the bridge, but I would say that a lot of it remains to me quite appealing and defensible. And I think there is like a version of Trump that you could discover that is like that. I remember, Trump was a member of the Reform Party, which came directly out of Perot. And um, you know, he—I don't know. I mean, there, there's something to be said for the fact that he, in 2000 he was suggesting that he run for president with Oprah as his VP. Now, obviously, that is cringe as hell, but if you are perhaps overly charitable to him, you see that like he wanted to unite the country. He did not want to become the world's mo- most, divi- like the most divisive poisonous force in the universe. He wanted to kind of be like, Hey, you know, let's get some outsiders here in Washington and let's let's run this correct. And let's really communicate with the people. And, you know, there there was, and reform the government. And so on. I mean, it's, there's something, again, there's something I find appealing. There's something very normal and healthy about that. Um, Obviously, a lot. You know, I'm speaking for myself here, but a lot of us were just wildly attracted to Trump in 2016. We thought, you know, all of these super edgy, you know, outlandish, taboo issues we could now bring to the fore. I certainly have failed at making like the meaning of Trumpism the things I care about now. Whether I should be uh, blamed <laughs> or whether that was a, a a dream to begin with is another question. But there's no doubt that like I don't define Trumpism really at all at this point. And there is going to be a Trumpism without Trump. And I, I think we're getting a glimpse of it. Like the degree to which the GOP is, you know, activated just can't be underestimated. I told this story, and maybe some of you guys weren't here yet when I told the story. But so I was meeting. Um, it, it was actually someone from this group was with me at the time, and I was meeting this woman down in Kalispell. So I live in Whitefish, which is a resort town. Um, you know, it's Montana, but it is a ski resort, so it it, it has a froofy element. The, there are you know multimillionaires who have massive houses on the lake and so on like that. Um, Kalispell is also nice, uh, but it's more of a working-class town. And um, so, anyway, I was driving. I, I drove drove down to Kalispell and it was actually on Good Friday, so it was on in April. And there were these cars that I remember. This car that was like revving its engine, and it had an American flag and then a pirate flag, like a skull and crossbones flag. And it was revving its engine and like honking its horn. I was like, "What in the hell is this? Like, is this this is a Good Friday celebration? Like, what <laughs> what am I seeing here?" And then I was walking around and these, you see all these cars like doing, doing like, what is it donuts or like spin, like before the, they were like slamming on the brakes while punching the accelerator. So they were like spinning their tires, like wearing down their rubber tires and smoke um, going up in the air before the light turned green. And it was just nuts. And I remember I was with this friend. I was like, oh my God, this is like a Trump thing. And I saw this one car that had a Confederate flag and a Trump flag in Montana. (laughs) Makes no sense basically, but anyway. Um, I, I remember seeing these like kind of i don't know you know wine mom type women and i was like i was like is this a trump rally and she turned to me she's like they do this every friday every friday they're out and i was like they're not even observing like good friday <laughs> like they're just out and about they, they probably don't even know it's good Friday. then after dinner i was walking back and this smaller car drove up to me and the guy got out of his car and he said fuck trump oh, no, excuse me he says fuck biden fuck the liberals and then he got in his car and drove off and i was like wow i have come so far like five years ago, I was saying, I was saying, hail Trump at a rally. And, you know, I was all in and, you know, so on. And then I lived to be like, denounced by the movement. (laughs) The old revolutionaries who Stalin like had killed and so on. It was just a very strange feeling. And um, I, uh, so anyway, I was thinking, I don't think this guy knew who I was. But I think he just went after me because I was wearing somewhat I was wearing like a black leather jacket and jeans. I think he probably thought he was like, this guy's a hipster. Uh, But it was just one of the most remarkable things. And I I don't know, I I just, when I saw that, I was like, wow, the the level of commitment and obsession just can't be underestimated. This is real.
13: So do you see, and I admit, this is the first I've heard about that uh, Texas platform you mentioned, but I mean, do you see, do you see a connection between like those Trump people who are out on the street just for the sake of it? They've got, they're so jacked up in this energy got to do something. Do you see a connection between that energy, those people and that Texas platform? And I mean, it's an honest question. I don't know what the answer is. I don't really have a sense of where these people are coming from, or what exactly is going on inside the Republican Party? But I mean, do you think that's when you do see a kind of a connection between that energy and that platform? Do you think that like the people in that group are really jacked up about the kinds
10: of things that were in that Texas platform? Is that really where that energy is now? Well, yes and no. It's the same people. Now, if you talked to the guy in Montana and asked, like, what do you think? What do you want? Do you what do you think about Texas secession? What do you think about? you know what were some of the other wackier ones like a um an electoral college or what what do you think what is your opinion on abortion they might not be on board with all that stuff but it is the same type of people and remember it's an agenda it's it's a a platform mean, platforms aren't really enacted they're simply there to kind of unify the party and i think this was kind of like a coming out a debutante and a coming out party it was like this this is who we are you know get used to it this is you know like we are literally trying to do this stuff and um you know, we we want to allow anyone to become a lawyer, <laughs> so that they could sue women who have abortions. I mean, it it's the same type of people and the same type of mentality, and they are definitely invigorated.
0: And it's fascinating. Forty two people died in a truck in San Antonio, and none of the news channels, the major news channels, not Fox News, not CNN, are mentioning it. Like I, I'm streaming some video from the San Antonio station, and then some independent guy is getting three times the views of the San Antonio station. and uh, but, but nothing on CNN, nothing on ABC News streaming, none of the other news streaming services are saying anything. And you know why? Because these are 42 illegal immigrants and the thinking of the news executives is people don't really care. So if it'd been three American citizens, such as in that Amtrak incident, then yeah, it'd be all over the news. But forty-two dead Mexicans or or Guatemalans, and uh, nobody in the American news business seems to care on on any of the major networks. Interesting. And
10: I think the um, like the the January sixth commission or or committee is going to work on a lot of moderate types. It's it's obviously going to work on liberals. And um, but I think it will work in a lot of moderate types. But like there is a large percentage of the population that doesn't care. And even if Trump is like humiliated or even sent to prison, like it, it just won't matter for them. They've moved on
0: and they're now. So Other news channels, they're covering Brittany Griner's arrest in, in Russia. They're covering the uh, the Stanley Cup. They're, they're talking about this uh, dead, dead black artist. Uh, lots of things that they have to talk about. They're talking about the Supreme court ruling, allowing that football coach to pray in the center of the field, but 42 dead immigrants and crickets. I I can't find one national news service or international news service talking right now about 42 dead immigrants in San Antonio. So three dead expected, apparently Americans in an Amtrak accident. Yeah. That gets a lot of coverage. Forty-two dead immigrants. Nobody cares. Wow. Oh,
10: I mean, again, using this as this one, this platform is one example. They they don't need his approval or endorsement. It's interesting because I mean, the one constant really is completely explained very well, every word. And the Q cult made him a religious figure. I mean, it yeah, it was a cult of personality. That's very clear. But I I I don't know. It's almost to use like a twentieth century analogy. It's almost like. stalin dies and then the bolsheviks come back or something like <laughs> as opposed to the soviet union kind of settling in and becoming more conservative and in the other sense of the word and, and and kind of reasonable in a way um certainly more reasonable than it was under lenin or stalin um it's almost like the bolsheviks came back or something <laughs> and I, I don't know i, I just don't think I, I this is my sense of it it's like you know it's, it's it's to underestimate them to think that it's a mere cult of personality
13: because I'll admit, if you had asked me what Trumpism without Trump looked like, the best answer I might have come up come up with was something like DeSantis, which obviously right. is a, obviously it's a less interesting thing to talk about.
0: So I just scrolled through the the last 35 minutes of the PBS NewsHour. Nothing on 42 dead migrants in San Antonio.
13: If also much saner. But uh, he seemed to really kind of fill the gap, at least, of a lot of the, the culture war.
0: Or, or... What killed them? Well, they were in a, in a tractor, and they were just overcome by heat. So we've got... Forty-two dead migrants in the San Antonio. He's the one who rushed
3: to that scene to see what he can do. Let's listen to what he Least had to say dead. about this grim discovery.
0: Forty people plus have died, uh, and many people have been taken to the hospital. So we don't know
2: how many people exactly, but at the end of will just try to help as many people as we can.
3: So you just heard Antonio Fernandez there, the president of Catholic Charities, just saying that he, like us, doesn't know exactly how many people died inside of, total, inside of that tractor trailer. How many people also escaped? That's something we're still trying to find out. We have SAPD. Texas Rangers there at the scene, multiple law enforcement agencies trying to get information about exactly what happened here today. What we do know as we try to dig up this information is that it's unfortunate that these people were inside of that tractor trailer. We don't know who was driving it. We don't know where they were driving from, where they were going to, why they stopped. How many people total were inside of that tractor trailer, but you can be sure that this is information that we are trying to get for you that we were yeah,
0: so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that story out of San Antonio just cultural s-
13: cultural and anti elite signaling that trump did you know yeah. he has he's done the he's, he's kind of covered those bases in the sense of doing a lot of social conservative stuff, and Trump covered that base too, but also this kind of anti elitist kind of rabble rousing cultural stuff with the Disneyland stuff and the anti uh, you know quote unquote anti grooming stuff. And so that was where that was my sense of more where it was going. I've seen polls that had him doing quite well against Trump among Republicans. But yeah, this yeah. stuff. Uh, but yeah, there is this. We at the same time there is this.
0: Yeah, uh, imagine if they could somehow blame Trump for this, then it would be leading all the news. But because they can't find an angle to blame Republicans, all the national news services completely ignoring the story out of San Antonio. There's energy
13: out there that has more to do with say Q and with anti fax stuff than it does with any personality, let's say. And yeah, is that really going gonna to sort of settle back down and be sort of uh, absorbed or co-opted by something like DeSantis or is he going to go into some, some
10: bizarre new direction? I don't know the answer on this. Right, question. I mean, De- DeSantis is aping Trump to a large degree, but he's also kind of Trump 2.0 as well because he's done things, you know, like Trump would often do this stuff. Like I, I remember even back in 2016 where th- this is a controversy that's, that's long past and I-, I don't think it's even really that relevant anymore. But remember when, um, I think it was Apple Computer, refused to give the fbi
0: so the news media is covering multiple deaths in a russian strike on a ukrainian mall but 42 dead in san antonio crickets
10: like backdoor access um and there was this there was this terrorist act um in california i believe do you remember this controversy uh, only vaguely. Um, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah there, there, so there was a terrorist act in in, in some kind of spree shooting or, or mass shooting, some yeah, extent, and Saturn there was a terrorist act, and then they said, "Oh, they used an iPhone, and so Apple should give them the backdoor access." And, and Apple kind of stood firm. They said, "Well, we 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 know this is heinous, but we we actually have this priority that that we we do protect the security of our." Users. So I, I this this I think the whole thing became moot, and like the FBI got in the the iPhone anyway or something. But it, it was a bunch of moral signaling, basically. I remember Trump was like, "Let's boycott the iPhone," and he, you know he just kind of ad hoc decided to start a boycott, which I think also had no effect. I mean, the, the whole thing is water under the bridge. But what I'm saying is he would do that, like go after companies,
0: and so the San Diego station has has stopped covering this story live, so they can play Wheel of Fortune.
10: Probably even better examples of this, but DeSantis like playing hardball with disney based on the don't say gay bill so-called and a lot of like online energy about grooming and lives of tiktok and all that stuff it's kind of a 2.0 thing and i think desantis is you know trump was the the creature from the internet but i I think desantis is maybe even more um desantis is definitely like taking his cues from the internet and so yeah i i don't know i mean i i think it's yeah, I mean, it, the, the whole thing is just a complicated, you know, matter. I, I think he, um, I, I do think he's kind of like the next thing, to a, uh, to a large degree, and I, I think he's almost like taken things that were present in Trump and kind of accentuated them.
11: I think maybe, uh, uh this is Ross, a uh, new member, of new caller. Uh, I yeah. think yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I just was thinking, uh, Desantis is sort of Trump with a brain, in a sense of yeah. what Carson said. So he's a little more, well, he's actually more of a traditional politician, but. I'm actually here from North Georgia, so my representative is Marjorie Taylor Greene. So, so, so a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I think she's the uh, she's the true Trump, well, two point or uh, maybe the heir. When when actually they they thought you know go force in twenty sixteen. I think
10: Steve, I, I think it's safe to say that he's uh, very pro I mean Steve Bannon was Israel, a, yeah. a pretty uh, mainstream Republican in many ways, uh-huh. and still is. But yeah, he's definitely pro-Israel. I've I've never heard him right. say anything. Yeah. Also, uh,
13: Breitbart, which of course he was at for a while, was literally founded in Israel. And uh, yes. I think I, I think right. he also he was also a pretty big booster of the idea of moving the embassy to Jerusalem.
11: Right. Mm.
10: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but and Steve Bannon is kind of back. I mean, I, um, I remember Steve Bannon was like denounced by Trump and things back. It was after or Did he get he got kicked out? Called.
11: Um, Another question I had, you know, today, of course, to like
10: differentiate exactly because when when you're that desperate, and you know, there's a there's a point at which a lot of these things that a disinterested observer would find ridiculous, when you're that desperate, you believe. And so, and I think also like the best con men believe their own con. Mm -hmm. So I I do think that he I I it was some weird combination. I don't think he was twirling his mustache. Basically, saying, like, oh, you know, I, I don't believe any of this. The more implausible, the better, or something like that. I, I don't think he was that cynical. I think he did believe it to some extent. And he's got a certain kind of intelligence. Um, he is kind of brilliant in his way, but he's not exactly like a strategic. Oh, I mean, he is a strategic. He's got some brilliant intelligence for like knowing where centers of energy are and going towards them. And
0: I, I think. Yeah, this is Richard there talking about Trump. Art Bell says, Luke, why did YouTube forward and start allowing Trump speeches again? Is it pressure? Is it loot? At some point, uh, Trump has to start being allowed back onto YouTube, and his speeches, again, have to be allowed to be carried live. When exactly that crosses over, will uh, JF Garapi head back to YouTube if Odyssey keeps having live streaming troubles? So sad to hear that about odyssey maybe live streaming on rumble is the way to go so i'm thinking about that or d live
10: it's even a kind of like real estate strategy in a way where he wants to go to a kind of undervalued like neighborhood in order to make a lot of money off it and i think he did that to a very large degree by just like leaning into the birth certificate stuff with obama or you know all this kind of stuff um but yeah i i I guess I, i kind of lost my my train there I don't, well, I think he believed yeah. it. I think a, his type think of mind can... is not an analytic mind, or like a lawyerly mind, or a scholarly mind. And so he sees some nonsense on the internet. He's like, what the fuck is this? You know. Uh, you know. So, right. when I was a teenager, I remember reading about the Obama birth certificate, and I knew it was baloney, because
13: his mother was an American citizen, and at birth, it didn't matter where he'd be born, he'd be an American citizen regardless.
0: Right.
11: And thus eligible for the presidency. So, even if he was...
0: Wow, well, so these people apparently died in a Walmart parking lot. Right? So... 42 people have been found dead in a sweltering tractor trailer at a Walmart parking lot in San Antonio. Nobody deserves to die in a Walmart.
13: Born in Kenya, the fact he an American mother would make it like just a non-issue from day one in the Constitution. And this did come up to a certain extent, even citizens. So he's in, it is more complicated than that. Like that I couldn't imagine. It's very accurate when they say that like. that Qualifying you because X, Y, Z. Yeah, I'm just saying there is more of a nuanced legal question than what you might see at first glance, let's say. hmm and also,
10: I mean, we're, we're also just bearing.
0: And do I ever watch Kino Casino? I, I did a bit about uh, two months ago, so it's not a regular thing that I watch. But when I hear they've got an extraordinary show, uh, I'll dip into parts of it.
10: Lead here. I mean, that whole birth certificate thing is just 100 percent about race. <laughs> you know, like yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, the liberals are the liberals are often just like it's very accurate when they say that. Like, yeah, this is this is about race. <laughs> like, this is not they, no one brought it. Up. I think it, I think it got brought up like almost, almost ironically with Ted Cruz, but like no one, no one talked about it. And it's just like, who is this guy? Is he a Muslim? We don't know. Where is he from? I believe there were more among, like among Republican voters, there was some poll that came out during the
13: 2016 cycle, I think, like among Republican voters, more of them thought that Obama was born overseas than thought that Ted Cruz
11: was born overseas, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
10: But um, wow. It's wild stuff. Well, I think the, that narrative of the birthship is in the uh um he's i, I don't think I, it's rare that you hear someone mention perot um he, he had a huge effect or at least was it was kind of symptomatic of all this stuff and um that that paleo the the, the paleo conservative moment was very similar to the alt-right moment i mean the alt-right moment was maybe it was certainly less it was certainly more uncouth and more wild and dead in younger San Antonio, no. and stupid but that that had a lot to do with the fact that the internet wasn't around in 19 you know 96 and um So you just had this onboarding of all of these young people. And, um, but it it was definitely, yeah, I mean, I I think there's a lot of, um, there are are many similarities between it. And I I think we can kind of learn from it because first off, I I think there, with the paleoconservative movement, there is a, there's a problem with the the kind of like ideological incoherence. So you had Samuel Francis, who was very theoretical and was moving towards populism, middle American radicals and national socialism, as he said himself. I'm not trying to slander him or anything. Um, And he was moving towards this idea. And in total, I would say also kind of like total rejection of the kind of like uh, Southern um, anti-state strategy, you know, like, oh, we believe in states' rights or get the government off my back or so on. I mean, Sam Francis was like, we need the government on your back. Like we we need a, you know, a new manager, a political regime that will bring bring to heel the managerial regime in corporations and so on. So anyway, um, Maury Rothbard was just a full-on anarchist. I mean, to his credit, I mean, he was very ideologically, ideologically consistent. Um, but those were incompatible, you know, those two ideologies. And um, so I, I think there was like a lot of incoherence. And I think with the alt-right, there was a lot of just like trolling silliness where it could never get to an ideology um, because it was all about 4chan and memes and being silly and so on. And I'm guilty of all this as well, you know, just to be honest. Um, Maybe I recognize that it was less guilty, but yeah, it was all about being outrageous and being young and crazy. And, and there's some good, good things about that, but it, it can't really go anywhere. Um, so I guess my vision is that I, I think this populism as, a, as like an energy, and, and it's almost like an intergenerational energy, because you can definitely see a lot of this in like Wallace. And you can see it in Perot. You can see it in Donald Trump in the year 2000 at the Reform Party. You can see it in Buchanan. You can see it in the Tea Party. Um, there, there's this like intergenerational energy a force that animates a certain certain people. And it is a class to a, certain, to a large extent, but it, it, it does go beyond just a kind of like middle America kind of thing. It, it's it's more, a little more widespread, but, but you can maybe if you can locate it somewhere, it is that. A middle American radical and a kind of middle class or lower middle class. It's not, it's not really... It's not exactly a working class thing like from marxism so it's more of a kind of a middle um revolt so when I, you, oh yeah go ahead well you can ask the question then i'll go on Go ahead. oh so when you say it's a lower class thing but but also an intergenerational thing this vision of I like, said a middle class oh, thing i yeah. didn't say lower class but oh. but i think it, maybe maybe it's actually becoming more lower class as our as all of our prospects are declining and so on but i think there's a at the, at the very least a, a middle quality to it it's not a it's not a it's not like a i'm a union worker i'm a, I'm a I, I i understand myself as working class but you have elements of that yes but I, the, the bigger thing I, I think is actually middle. I, I would I would I would define it as more as income
11: oriented. So I would say that it's people that pay tax, you know, mm-hmm. it, as far as because you've got a lot of people that pay tax or not uh, on these social. Plus the
10: older guy whose wife left him. There are a lot of people who just live on the internet and have no prospects and don't want to have any prospects. Um, I also with January sixth, um, the that, that was a middle uh, middle age revolt as well so the average age was like 42 or 45 or something like that maybe a little bit surprising in the sense that you might think that if there's going to be a, a hot revolution you know it's going to be uh people in their 20s or something you know, suicide bombers are in their 20s um but it was middle also higher level of divorce among um january 6 protesters than among the general public so i think there was something to that like you know like ashley babbitt was kind of you know at her wit's end um financially for what we know and so there, there was a lot of stress and maybe getting away from like the tax paying middle class. I think that had a lot to do with the Southern strategy, the no question, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I would just still stress this middle um, yeah. plus some 4chan guys in their teens and twenties. Yeah. One
13: thing I would, uh, I would say is like, um, uh, kind of like back to what you're saying is that, uh, you know, you look back to whether it's the fifties, the eighties, maybe even the nineties. And, uh, I don't think America was just like tense, you know, like, uh, there might've been some anti-white propaganda, but probably not as much as like what happened in the 2000s onward. And. You know, uh, just divorce rates, like you said. Uh, you know, um, uh, people maybe having struggle meeting partners, finances, whatever. I, I'm, I wasn't around, but I'm probably just guessing that the '80s and '90s were probably at least the '80s was probably a lot better at time.
10: Two hundred thousand things like the real, like, you'll never own. No question. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, think it's very, particularly with Zoomers and a lot of millennials. I mean, this kind of like, you'll never own a house. You will never really be a taxpayer and you don't have any prospects and you have $200,000 of student loan debt. I mean, that, that's a real experience for many people. That kind of like bourgeois dream is, is over. I mean, I, I think even Trump said this at his rally, like he, he would say things like the American, he's like the American dream is dead. You know, he would say really tough stuff like that, but he was getting at something.
11: Um, but anyway, uh,
10: what I would say is that moving forward, um, I, I definitely think that there will be a continuation of this energy, this intergenerational energy that, that might even have a kind of biological basis. You know, like it's the same, your grandfather was for Wallace and your father was for Buchanan and you are for Trump. Like there, there there's something to this. And, um, and I don't think it will go away. Um, but I don't also think that it can really win or be viable and you know just speaking for myself I think on some level it needs to be ignored or or kind of criticized or or understood that is not something that I would want to get invested in Um, I I do think that my vision is to
0: right. this seems to be the biggest mass death event in the United States since the Las Vegas shooting and it's getting no national news coverage to be frank more conspiratorial and and by no i mean very little okay it's been mentioned here and there but because it's mexicans the 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 national news doesn't care
10: sinister to be honest and i guess i mean sinister in both senses of that word um the left-handed path like we cannot just be up front and stand in front of a bulldozer um we need to have a unified group ideologically and that group also needs to be unified, um, socially. Uh, but that might not be something that's ever out in front and or it's not exactly front stage. Um, I would much prefer to host meetings that are more like Davos world economic forum that is invitation only and that are private and in fact, you know, secret than something that is like, let's go to Charlottesville and stand up at the statue.
0: It's kind of extraordinary what's going on with ABC News, okay? They've got an ABC News live stream, and uh, they're they're jerking around, right? Watch the... They just think everything's just so funny, and uh, the Room Raider, the story behind A Perfect 10, and this is what they're talking about, All right? 42 dead Mexicans, you've got all these live news outlets, and, and they're just... Laughing it up, they're just having a yuck. Room Raider, the story behind A Perfect 10, when, I don't know about you, I want more information about 46 dead people in, in a tractor in, in a Walmart parking lot. But uh, ABC News just doesn't find that is interesting. Ass Neither ass does ass. CBS or NBC um, or Fox so or CNN. So that is no my vision, bored.
10: and it's going to be a kind of more difficult one but i don't see any other option and i i I also i I do see the populist is kind of serving a certain purpose in the sense of like taking eyes off things that we want to do
13: yeah i would say uh that's actually a good idea like i know that the um i know freemasons they do that's kind of like the whole thing i I knew a freemason once and it was all about like going to secret i don't know if it was secret but like going to like lodges and you know private meetings and stuff and uh, yeah and um, And they had a lot of, you know, a lot of power, like a lot of presidents. I think presidents, several presidents were Freemasons. uh,
10: They had a lot of influence and power, yeah. Um, Not to sound like a complete nerd, but, you know, the uh, the Sith had to, uh, the Sith Order had to spend a thousand years before Emperor Palpatine was able to take over and reveal himself. And his greatest secret was hiding his dark side energy around people. Um, Sorry for the nerdery, but um, (laughs) you can learn things from uh, these... uh, uh, Star Wars movies.
11: I <laughs> there is much to, to take from that.
10: Yeah. Yeah. Um as opposed to just losing. Yes. And um yeah, losing's no fun. No.
11: Well, yeah. Well the, the
10: great unanswered the great unanswered course, but anyway. And talking of it just seems like transgender great unanswered. Yeah. yeah. It is an unanswered question. And um I I I know I, I kind of like to speak abstractly and, and talk in metaphors and so on, but I I think sometimes that's the right way to think of it, but there, there is a flow to what is happening. And, you know, like the whole transgender thing, you know, I didn't predict that occurring after say roughly 2014, when, you know, the Supreme court affirmed gay marriage and there was just kind of, it just seemed like that whole issue had just been settled. And, um, there weren't, weren't many more things on the checklist of, of, you know the the cultural left to accomplish i i never would have imagined that we would be talking about drag queens as like a social issue and you know hormone therapy and etc um but in retrospect you can see all of this as just almost an, an inev- inevitable advancement or outcome of things like there there is a motion to the world and it's kind of logically working its way out and if we just endlessly resist that motion then in that logic, then we're going, it's much like trying to empty the ocean with a bucket or swim against the tide, as it were.
0: Ah, now imagine if these people have been killed by guns, right? Then this would be capturing national attention.
10: And sometimes you need to kind of swim with the tide and not resist things that are more powerful than you. Um, Actually, at our first meeting, I, I told a story, which is... Again,
0: okay, we got 46 dead migrants sweltered to death All right, in San Antonio, and ABC News is focusing on a chihuahua mix wins world's ugliest dog honor. Right, this is the live news coverage right now. It's extraordinary.
10: And it's, it's a little anecdotal story, but it's just a kind of metaphor that I've always remember really distinctly from my childhood and that is um i was at camp longhorn in texas and uh we went on a little field trip to the um inks lake state state park which is near camp and they have some cliffs and you like jump off cliffs and it's all good fun um i was in this uh river area and i was alone swimming and i was away from everyone and i was swimming upstream and I exhausted myself. And then I realized that I was actually going backwards and I couldn't get to where my, you know, where we were because the stream like went out of pass. And I was swimming harder and harder. And I just felt like I would exhaust myself and drown doing this. Of course, these camp counselors maybe should be uh, criticized for allowing this to happen. Glad <laughs> I wouldn't have the anecdote if they saved me. And so I just let myself go. And the stream, the, t- the current took me around the bend to a point where I actually could get out. And if i just endlessly swum i would be dead and so like we can't reverse the current of world history it has a logic and you know to, to just try to valiantly but vainly swim upstream i, I think it's going to just lead to a lot of problems it, it's going to lead to death and martyrdom and sometimes you need to just let yourself go and be taken by the current um and i i don't think anything can really fundamentally change to like get a culture on a new course unless it's worked its way through its own internal logic. So it's, a, I guess, a bit of a Hegelian response. And I know it kind of sounds like I'm saying, oh, just wait for it to collapse or something. I guess I kind of am saying that. I, I, I think it needs to, I don't think there's going to ever be like a Mad Max situation like class, but I do think there's going to be an, a legitimacy crisis at the end of this, that all of these things are going to kind of work themselves out to a point where something new is possible, like there'll be a new opportunity.
11: Well, I think that, you know, there's there's actually some encouraging signs. One thing I see, and uh, actually I do live in the Bible Belt, but mm-hmm. uh, the moral code of the church is it's actually, we can see it's, it's a nearing an end in the sense I was talking to a phenomenon, well, bad, you know, and it's uh, just a local thing, but I, guess, uh, today, I think, oh, we already quit church. Thing, you know, so, yeah, uh, God will actually come. And so God will come, will live through, the, you know, uh, like I was talking about my neighbor. It's been a while since I've— uh, but that's uh,
10: interesting. And I think there is a kind of like secular component. And I, I don't know.
11: That's right. Yeah. Interesting. And he, uh, anyway, so.
10: Well, yeah, I mean, even um, I, I don't know. It, it, it is funny. I mean, I in terms of like the evangelicals, I mean, I, I don't even quite know what to make of them now because I, I think there's a lot of countervailing things that are occurring. But um, the Southern Baptist Convention shrinks every year. I think it it it's been falling by like 5% year on year since 2004 um and i and i think there is a kind of like secular component to marjorie taylor green or lauren bobert or something in the sense that they don't really know what they're talking about i guess um and for them i think christianity is kind of pure nationalism and politics and trump and and all that kind of stuff yeah um but yeah i mean i think a lot of this this yearning for the apocalypse is um
0: Yes, people can be religious, and they can also be civic nationalists, and they can believe in proposition nationalism, and they can also believe in ethnic nationalism. Just just because you believe in one type of nationalism does not mean that you don't believe in many different types of nationalism. And whichever type of nationalism is stronger for you in a healthy nation, it is socially unacceptable to say out loud that you hold any nation more dear to your heart than your own. So an amazing story going on in San Antonio. Maybe eventually the national news will get around to covering a 46 dead, essentially boiled alive in a truck in a Walmart parking lot. Take care. Bye-bye.